This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to four minutes past four. It's Friday the 10th of July. Yes, it's Friday the 10th of July. And if you think the train strike's over, think again. There will be a knock-on effect. It will not be back to normal, I don't think, till at least lunchtime or mid-afternoon. So still plan. Make extra extra provision for adding a bit of extra time onto your journey. The sex inquiry judge has vowed to reveal the identities of establishment paedophiles, the daughters who shopped their bigamist father. Greece, days from disaster. The Foreign Office say if you're in Tunisia, get out. Get out now. They're sending planes. They want you out. They say safer to be out than in. It's going to kill the Tunisian tourism industry, isn't it? Like that. All of that and more. And then there was an uh, an interview run on the television. So I'll just sort of deal with serious matters to start with. We don't normally, normally deal with something serious. But it's the uh, the parents of the gunman who went massacring the people on the beach at Seuss. And the parents are saying, well, of course, we know that's our son. He's just walking up the beach with a gun. He didn't shoot anybody. They really are that thick. They really are that thick. They, they believe somebody framed him. They think he was framed. They say, God bless our son. Damn him to hell, I say. Damn him to hell. Misery of middle age. Apparently, if you're middle-aged then uh, you're really, really unhappy. Apparently you're unhappy about money, you're unhappy about friends, you're unhappy about, I mean, so many different things. When you hit middle, was that midlife crisis? I don't think people bothered about that nowadays. I can't remember, well, when I, when I get to the midlife crisis, I'll probably let you know about it. Uh, aspirin could do more harm than good for heart patients. Brilliant. What do I take? Aspirin on a daily basis. And a Brit who could face 20 years jail for a mid-air assault on his wife. He's apparently a businessman. Uh, looks like a thug to me. Name and shame on this programme. The customers who shop with the co-op. It's all at the co-op now, was their uh, little jingle. And, of course, it was, as they charged you twice. I didn't know. So I've, never, I've never paid for anything on a card in any shop ever, ever. Uh, pictures, pictures of a monstrous rat, which have gone onto the internet. I don't know. You look at it, you think, could it really be that big? I mean, you do hear of super rats. I watched a program on the telly this morning, and it was, um, I think he was a Japanese, um, biophysicist or something. Anyway, whatever it was, he was in like a bathosphere, and it was going down into the ocean. And the idea was they were looking, uh, to find unusual creatures in the deep, in the deep. And they're going down and they're sitting there and they don't see anything for ages and ages. And they've got a hook which has got some food on the end of it. Kind of, you know, they're they're obviously sort of baiting it to see what what turns up. And what turned up, all of a sudden, they get terribly excited. A giant squid. Apparently three metres long. I mean, it it could probably take you out, I should imagine. It emerges from the darkness, so they put the lights on. And there is this giant squid which starts devouring this food on the end of the hook. It's terribly clever. So I sit there as transfixed as everybody else, thinking this is absolutely the best thing ever. But I couldn't get a, an idea when, when they were telling us how big this thing is. And they said, with its sort of tentacles at the back, it could go to this. And it, it, it had one eye and it appeared to wink at them at one point. It was watching them sitting in this giant bubble. And they, they did say on the commentary, I think it was Attenborough, saying, I wonder what it's thinking. <laughs> it's probably thinking it's another television programme with David Attenborough. I'll wink. Perhaps I could see myself back on the on the silver screen. Oh, the good news is pandas are not lazy. Just when you thought they all they do is sit around and eat them. eat some more sugar cane and uh, we'll have some bamboo and then we'll just uh, sit here and just really not do anything. A bit like that fat bloke on the um, 
on the uh, celebrity programme. No, not, it's not a celebrity, it's the Big Brother house. Who just sits there staring into the distance. He's got nothing to talk about at the moment. They keep saying, do something. Do something! And he just sits there. Like that, really bored, really dull. And there's a little bit in one of the papers today. That, that uh, well-known drip from Made in Chelsea, poor old Spencer Matthews. They say he's being lined up, sensationally lined up, to star in the Celebrity Big Brother version. And you think, he must need the money. He really must need the money if he wants to go on a programme like that. It's for degenerates. It's not for people like him at all. So if he does go in there, it'll be just purely for the money, poor old soul. And then you'll see him for what he is, a bore. He really, I mean, he is an ultimate, he's a bore on the programme. Even his friends think he's a bore. Not that I think he's got friends, and he's got people who pander to him. Poor so-and-so. And then we've got Karen back in the papers. I didn't think we'd have Karen for a while. I was, I was hoping she might have disappeared up her own rear end. But no, she's come back again. This time... They're claiming that she cheated on her MP husband with a salesman. Dear God, apparently. Dubbed the selfie queen. No, no, no. She's an ugly. Seriously, I mean, she's, she's not attractive. At, she's got nothing going for her. Seriously, absolutely nothing. You know, even with makeup on, she looks pretty ropey. And then you look at her picture coming out in a hoodie and you think, she looks like she's wandered off a council estate in Newcastle. Sort of place Cheryl would have been. And they say that she posed in sexy undies on the marital bed. I was nearly sick at that moment. Mind you, I was fairly sick when I looked at a picture of Lorraine Kelly, who yesterday decided to wear a bikini on her programme. And I can only say to her, do not look in a couple of the papers today because they've got really unflattering pictures of your bingo wings. And it's, they're, they're dreadful pictures, honestly. She won't be at all happy. I'm surprised that... Uh, they've allowed them to get out without them being airbrushed or something because she's got this uh, picture of her and she's wearing a bikini because apparently she's got confidence and you think, oh, no, you shouldn't have done it. You really shouldn't have done it. I mean, if, if, if you look at the pictures in the in the paper today, it's very sad. And she's got this roll of flesh under her arm which sort of cascades into a... Th- I mean, perhaps it's just the angle. I'm hoping it's the angle because it's a dreadful picture. What is it about people who get to the age of 55... And they go, I think I want to now wear a bikini. What for? What for? What is the point of that? What does that prove to anything? It's a selfish thing, isn't it? It's a, it must be done for selfish reasons. And so they say she looks every bit the model. No, well, she doesn't. She looks like an old woman of 55 who's trying to cram her body into a bikini. That's what it looks like. It's a bit sad, really. I don't know why she's doing it. She asks viewers to, to get fit to look good in swimwear. Don't. Nobody looks good in swimwear. Unless you are a professional model, in which case they are people who starve themselves to get into that situation. But don't take her advice. Oh, it's ghastly. Really, really, honestly. I had to write her a note and say, please don't do it again. It's, it's not necessary at all. Here's a British businessman. His name's Darren Halliwell. I don't know what sort of businessman he is, but um, he was uh, charged in America after allegedly attacking his wife on a flight. A court heard that the company director had been drinking before violence broke out on this transatlantic flight. He's also accused of pushing at least three flight attendants, screaming at children, exposing himself and urinating on the floor and seats. What a stupid man! What a stupid man! He's been hauled into court in uh, Boston, charged with interfering with flight crew. And um, his, uh, his wife, Sharon... She would be, wouldn't she? Uh, Told authorities her husband had acted up in the past, but this was by far the worst. Carries a 20-year sentence and a fine of £162,000. Apparently, he he hit his wife in the face with the back of his hand and fell on other passengers. Charged with disorderly conduct, assault 
and battery. They come from a, a village called Aspel near Wigan. <laughs> I think they're chavs, ladies and gentlemen. He boarded the uh, the plane at Heathrow uh, in order to attend a powerlifting event. Oh, God, another one. You know what will have gone on here, don't you? Come on. The moment you see somebody does powerlifting, I go, steroids. That's, and you look at the size of him, and he's quite clearly a thug. You know, nobody hits women in the face, do they? Unless they're a thug. But that's what uh, that's what happens when you do steroids. And if you do powerlifting, there's so many of these drugs available. I don't know whether he's taking it or not. But I do know somebody whose personality changed literally overnight. He started taking steroids to bulk himself up. And it was then that he snapped. He snapped. And I had first-hand experience of what somebody on steroids was like. They can't control themselves. The littlest thing, you say, I think your wife's been cheating. They, they literally batter them to death. Seriously, it's very dangerous. And this man did all these things on a flight, you know. Of course, he'll be now eating humble pie and brown-nosing his way round, but they're not going to mess around with him, you know. He'll either turn up for this, this court case or have a warrant issued for his arrest and I'll throw him in prison. I couldn't care less. You know, to actually expose yourself and urinate on the floor of a plane and shout and scream at children. That sounds like drugs to me. Does it sound like drugs to you? Certainly sounds like it to me. Uh, what else we got? Um, we had the um, the Asbo sister twins. They're so good, says their boss. And I'm sure he thinks... Uh, I'll tell you, I, I looked at the picture of them in the paper today. This is uh, Talia and Tiffany. Hello, because we're models. OK, we don't know what sort of model. I don't think we're sort of like catwalk model. I think maybe we sort of like glamour sort of model kind of thing, sort of. And, uh, you know, this is our boss. And, uh, and we do modelling. And that's it. And then you look at them and you think, my God, two uglies and apparently foul mouths. Not the only person with a foul mouth in the paper today. We found a little boy with a foul mouth. And you know that old argument, you know, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. That old expression, you know, potty mouth, potty mouth, like most of the cast of Towie, potty mouth. You know, pieces of filth that cannot have a conversation without peppering it with four letter words. Wouldn't catch me swearing on this programme. Away from this programme? Absolutely. Princess Margaret used to swear, apparently. You know, she used to come up with all sorts of choice words, which I just think was hilarious, because you sort of imagine somebody who's terribly, terribly posh actually swearing. It must have sounded really, really funny. But this is, this is a boy. Uh, it involves um, Alfie. Uh, Alfie Forsyth is six years old. OK. His babysitter is uh, Rianne Burtwell. Rianne... Um, oh, no, it's not Rihanna. I do beg your pardon. Uh, yes, it is, actually. It is Rihanna. He confronted Alfie after spotting him aiming kicks at an old man's walking stick in a park. Bertwell, who used to babysit, Alfie said, I said, Alfie, stop that or I'll tell your mam. T- it's so northern, isn't it? I'll tell your mam. You'll get a clip from your mam. It's lovely, that. M-A-M, incidentally. Uh, I, he told me to F off. This is at six years old. Six years old. I told him I'd wash his mouth out with soap, and he said, you wouldn't effing dare. He's six years old. You know what sort of family he comes from, don't you? I'll tell your ma'am, because she swears as well. I went and bought a packet of three bars of soap and got hold of him. I wasn't rough, but I pushed a bar of soap against his teeth without taking the wrapper off. I didn't want to hurt him. I was wrong, but I meant no harm. Bertwell was then arrested because the, uh, the mother complained about him, and she looks a right sort. There's a picture of her in the paper today. I wonder where he gets his swearing from. Only have to look at her for two minutes. Anyway, this poor bloke, Bertwell, who was doing the right job, 
He was doing the right thing. You know, if this mother can't look after her own son and teach him not to swear, at six years old, bloody clip round the back of the legs, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lynn Cook, who is Alfie's mum, isn't it funny? He's called Alfie Forsyth. His mother's called Lynn Cook. Don't they kind of share the same name? How does that work? Anyway, uh, apparently, uh, Lynn Cook is a personal banker. She looks a bit of a banker to me. She insisted her boy did nothing wrong. Yes, he swore, but he's actually the victim, not the villain. You stupid woman. <laughs> stupid woman. Of course he's the... Of course he's not the victim. Yes, I mean, he is, he's the villain. He's the villain. What do you think this boy went and got the soap for? Why are people so dumb? And you're a personal banker, are you? Thank Christ, not with my bank. Pete Bradley says Rianne was wrong, but hopefully some support has been put in place so this boy can learn from his actions. Exactly. Perhaps somebody can teach this boy. Perhaps his mother. Heaven forbid his mother does something good. Personal banking, you little... Honestly. And a child of six who swears at somebody. That's just... Where do you think they learn it from? Parents. Parent. Where else do they learn it from? Disgusting, isn't it? Honestly, people like that, they should be taken and put into care immediately. Um, have you seen the size of Kerry Katona's house? Says Martin. I thought she was bankrupt. She only rents. She doesn't own anything. She doesn't own anything at all. She pays three and a half thousand quid a month. And uh, as the work's a bit thin on the ground, she had to come up with that wheeze the other day. That fantastic wheeze. Of, uh, she split with George. Like anybody cares. You know, I saw her on a television programme the other day. I don't know, bankrupt who seems to be earning money. I hope she's going to pay a tax bill at the end of this month. I'll be checking carefully, actually. Same as Daniela Westbrook. I'll be checking that one, too. We all have to pay. Let's make sure they pay, too, shall we? All these people who said, oh, I'm bankrupt, I'm bankrupt. Like that thick Nolan girl up in Blackpool. Oh, no, forgot about that. Forgot to declare my earnings. It's, every time I see this parents of this murderer on the beach at Seuss, I can't help thinking they're either incredibly dumb or... Or, the, or there's something the matter with them mentally. They think that he was set up. He was just walking up the beach with a gun, but he didn't fire at anybody. Oh, you really are thick, aren't you? 17 minutes past four. <laughs> Nick and the team at breakfast from seven this morning. Flights full of Brits coming home today. As the Foreign Office says, you shouldn't travel to Tunisia unless necessary. What about supporting the majority of peaceful law-abiding Tunisians? And part of the M25 was closed Yesterday, as six migrants ran on both sides of the carriageway. I mean, what is this costing us? Why can't they find them? Why can they not find them? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, if the camera crew can watch people getting in and out of lorries, where the bloody hell are the drivers? And we mark 75 years since the RAF did us proud in the Battle of Britain. That's uh, Nick Ferrari and the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Uh, at what age is middle age, says David? He says, I'm 47, middle age, working in paradise... And uh, he's in Thailand. He said, I've never felt better. I don't know why they say that. Why would all of a sudden people go, oh, it's the midlife crisis. People start worrying about, oh, what am I going to do about money? It's like, I mean, I've spoken to people before and they've said, oh, I want to make sure I've got en enough money for a funeral. I said, why, what are you worrying about that for? Let somebody else pay for it. Let somebody else pay for it. Don't worry about that. Good to say. It's like people saying, I can't, can't afford to put the heating on. Blimey, I'll put it on. What are they going to do? Throw you in prison? Fantastic. You get three meals a day, nice and warm. Nobody bothers you. Bit of exercise and you watch telly. What's the, what's the problem with that? There is a problem with what I'd like to do to the person who perpetrated the next crime. I can't use the actual wording because it would upset me too much. And this is a story from Swindon in Wiltshire. I don't know if you've ever been to Swindon. There's nothing particularly remarkable about it, except police are now hunting a thug. And uh, this... Th I mean, I can't really believe it myself. 
If you're a cat lover, you better put your fingers in your ears because you're not going to like this bit at all. He embedded a knife, a kitchen knife, through the shoulder of this cat and it was found cowering in a bush. And there's a picture in the paper today of this cat. Uh, the, the, um, the, the knife has been removed. I mean, what, what sort of person would do this? Is it somebody psychotically mentally ill? Is it somebody who we need to take out and string up from a tree? Why would you want to embed a knife through a cat's shoulder? What would be the purpose of that? Anyway, uh, because it was found, it was taken to the vet. The picture shows the uh, the knife firmly embedded through through the cat. It's gone through through one piece of skin and come out the other side. That's what's so dreadful about it. Uh, they they think it's going to be all right, and now they're trying to trace the owner of the animal. And uh, they're trying to fun- hunt the uh, the thug who perpetrated this crime. I'd have them strung up inside a few minutes. I'm afraid I, I wouldn't really be bothering with a trial on something like this. Unfortunately, gut, gut instinct. I always re- I always remind myself of the uh, the ghastly murdering Ceausescu's. I always remind myself of that whenever I see something like this because they were on trial in court, and I distinctly remember that he sort of sat there and he was sort of all sort of. Uh, all sort of, you know, po-faced and he wasn't going to do anything and he, and he didn't care about this and he, he didn't care about the court and everything else. And, uh, and they sentenced him to, uh, to death. And he just went, Psh, And he kind of sort of poo-pooed it a little bit until they took him outside <laughs> with his wife and shot him straight away. They didn't hang around. There's no sort of putting him in prison. They just took him outside the courtroom, tied him to a post and shot him, which was the best thing they ever could have done. That's what I'd be doing with the person who infiltrated this poor cat's skin and stuck a knife through it. Like the other day when we hurrahed at the bulls of Pamplona, who managed to sort of uh, inflict injuries on 11 people. I thought, shame it wasn't about 1,100 people, but I suppose we've got to start somewhere, haven't we? Why do people do this to animals? What is the point? We've seen people tying, you know, rockets to cats' tails and stuff like that, and you'd think... Are these people really sick? Are they really sick? We've got that many people with mental illnesses in this country. It's just, it's just not normal behaviour, is it? Just not normal behaviour. And how did the police in Scotland, if you please? This is, um, uh, I forget where it was actually. Oh, in Stirling. It was on the M9 near Stirling where their car crashed. Somebody called 999. Might have been her. Uh, because the person she was uh, with, John Ewell, died in the crash. The car, having called 999, nobody bothered for three days. For three days. I mean, Police Scotland confirmed an investigation is underway. The Justice Secretary, Michael Matheson, has demanded uh, early answers. Because this woman in the car, Lamara Bell, had to sit next to his body for three days. Because they didn't do anything. I mean, how did they ignore it for three days? Mind you, it's like the police in Essex, isn't it? How did you not know that John Palmer had been shot six times? Blind? Hmm? Avoiding it? Who knows? And the police ignored this death crash for three days. I hate it when I have to read stories like that. It drives me mad. I don't like to sort of knock the police. My mum used to work for the police. I like the police. Big fan of the police. I think they've got a dreadful job to do. Absolutely dreadful job. But how you can do that, that's just bloody incompetence. Absolute incompetence. Three days on a 999. <laughs> Dear me. Terrible, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Martin in Gosport thinks, uh, you know, he should be hung up very high. I agree. I just, I can't understand why anybody would want to inflict injury on a cat or a dog or anything. I really, I can't understand it. I, I just don't, I can't get my head around it. Perhaps it's because I'm sort of such an animal lover. I can't bear of anybody inflicting any sort of cruelty on animals at all. Especially if it just seems to be for fun. What would be the... You know, 
don't get me going. I'll tell you, I might use a rude word on this programme. Miserable middle-aged, Steve, since being early retired at 53. And uh, he says, um, I've started two businesses. Who was going to employ me at 53? Written four books, two Amazon bestsellers, learnt to fly, Freeman of the City and bought a Bentley. Now over 60, the cherry on the cake, I've got my free travel pass. Best time of life ever, says, uh, says Bob, who's 67. I don't understand why they say... Perhaps, is it done to make you feel awful? Is it done so that if if you are approaching middle age, you think, oh, God, I'm going to get depressed? And they go, no, it's just a few people. I mean, I I don't seem to bump into people like that. It's it's only because I sort of... I'm quite happy to sit in... It's like when people say, you know, if you're single, you're going to be really lonely. You're kidding! You're kidding! Where I live, we've got a number of single people perfectly happy with their lives. Perfectly happy. Seriously, I mean, I don't know why anybody said... I remember somebody saying to me years ago, they went, you're going to be really lonely. You went, you are joking, aren't you? Good God, I've got a job where I'm surrounded by people. I could wave a magic wand and make them all disappear. I'd be very happy. Well, not all of them, obviously. I'm just somebody who drives the programme and stuff like that. But, I mean, normally speaking, you know, it's... I, I understand, you know, people can be lonely in London. London could be a terrible place. Same as any capital city. If you don't have any money, then you can be really, really miserable. You know, because you see everybody else out there enjoying themselves. There's a place that's opened in London. It just serves chips. It just serves chips. And I thought, what a nice place that is. I went and had a breakfast yesterday because I got home so early. Because I'd driven in because of the disaster with the car. As you can well imagine, the car was on time this morning. Bit of a result there. Let's see what Monday brings, shall we? And, um... Hold on. I'm trying to get through my, my quotient of drinking at least a bottle and a half of water every day. You know, I've, I've come to the conclusion drinking too much coffee can't be good for me, so I'm going to go water mad today. I need to because I've got a heavy lunch out. And so yesterday, so I drive in, which was lovely, and uh, park in my usual place. And, oh, look, Kim Jong-il smokes. Oh, good. That'll hasten his end a bit quicker. And, um, and so when I left here, because it's, it's safe, they, they don't bring in the parking restrictions till 8 o'clock in the morning... And so I just get back in the car, pootle up the uh, Tottenham Court Road, big road in London, out onto the uh, the Euston uh, Marylebone Road and pootle up on there, out down into Shepherd's Bush, up to Hogarth Roundabout and then down on the M4. Sorry, up on the, up on the, uh, the Lower Richmond Road, which was easy. Loads of traffic coming into town, my way, easy peasy. So normally when I leave here in the morning, if I don't have any interviews to do and I leave here at about... Probably about ten past seven, sometimes ten past seven ish, and and I'm home by about twenty past eight. Yesterday, I get in the car, admittedly in it a little bit uh, earlier than usual, and and I'm home by half past seven. Home by I couldn't believe it myself. I was so excited I went and had breakfast. I had a I had a man size breakfast, and I should have read it properly. Only I could only see the wording man size breakfast. And what did it have in there that I didn't like? Well, first of all, it gave me runny eggs can't bear runny eggs but I coped with it I thought I was being quite brave brave little soldier and it had black pudding on it Ooh, hate black pudding so I didn't touch that either you like black pudding I uh, know isn't it funny it's obviously a northern thing or something or something you've had it brought up on a council estate but it's not around my way at all we don't from Reading well I rest my case I rest my case Reading Reading oh, that's like going to the uh, the, <laughs> the borough of Hounslow Reading I know Reading very well. I knew Reading when it was nice. God, that's going back some years. Reading, honestly. Black pudding, though. Just really made me feel ill. And so I I moved it discreetly to to the side of the plate. 
thought was quite good of me. But the rest of it I ate, and then I staggered out thinking, you know when you feel like you could just sort of unzip your tummy, take everything out, and then Velcro it back up again? That's how I felt yesterday. That's how I felt yesterday. I was having a bit of a lazy day. I bought some fruit. I watered the baskets. Had a chat with Lynn. We talked about, you know, putting the world to right. And then we waited for my next door neighbours because they were waiting for the phone call to say that they'd completed. And then they uh, they were moving. They've, they've moved 0.6 of a mile. It's funny, isn't it? People, people move. The amount of people who move to West London and then they say, I love West London. You know, I don't want to move out of West London. My, one of my other neighbours, the other side... He's moving with his girlfriend to Guildford, Godalming. So they're renting his place out here. They bought another place because for what they want, they they actually can't buy around around the Twickenham area. It's just prohibitive. They just don't have the funds. You know, a, a two-bedroom little cottage goes between six and £800,000. That's how bad the uh, the housing market is. I say bad. It's good, really, if you've got a place like that or a big place and you want to sell it. But uh, nothing to have, you know... Half a million pound flats. In fact, that's quite the norm at the moment. Half a million pound. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, another little story of um, of Gary Lineker. He set up his own TV production company and he's named it Goalhanger Films. Lovely. Oh, great. A programme on Kevin Peterson's already being worked on. Riveting. Can't bear Gary Lineker. That and that stupid crisp advert drives me mad. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. It's Friday. Yeah. Love Friday. Love Friday. Love any day of the week, actually. But Friday in particular, because it means it's the weekend. You can put your feet up. And this morning, I could, if somebody wheeled a bed in right now and, and pulled, pulled the cover back and I just slipped between the sheets, I could, I could drift off quite happily. I could. I'm in that kind of mood this morning. It was, the, the weather, it was so hot yesterday and I burnt the top of my blooming head again. I knew I'd done that because I could feel it when I, when I stood in the shower and I turned, well, sat in the shower, and I, and I turned the thing on and I went, blimey, it goes right through your head. But anyway, so he sorted that one out. And uh, here we go, Spencer Matthews, Spencer the boar. Uh, he's, he's the dreary one with no, no personality. His parents apparently have got a hotel. They must be delighted. That's our son making a complete ass of himself on the television. He's dated a string of women. He hasn't dated them. He's just had sex with loads of women. And, of course, it makes me laugh. Every time he goes out with another one, he sort of, he'll do anything to win them over. Once he's had sex with them, he loses interest. But anyway, ITV bosses want the posh womaniser, or simpleton as I prefer to call him, uh, out in the jungle when the series starts in November because they're convinced he'll have an on-screen romance. Yeah, and? What's so exciting about that? Perhaps the people who put this together, are they all sort of um, uh, sort of people who don't have sex who put this programme together? They say, so we're hoping that he'll have an on-screen romance. Why would that be of any interest? We've watched him having on-screen romances in Made in Chelsea. What would be the point of watching him doing it in the jungle? It's exactly the same, isn't it? It's a bit dull. Of course, I'd be, I'd be happier if he turned gay. That'd make it marginally more entertaining for people. You know, if all, if all the women turned out to be transgender, let's see him go with a transgender person. That's probably just giving the producers an idea. Let's get a transgender person in. But I think we've already done that before, haven't we? But anyway, um, he, he has worked as a stockbroker and a PR is up for roughing it in the bush. Uh, they say here, a deal has been in the offing for a while now, as ITV thinks Spencer will be perfect for the show. He couldn't do it last year for various reasons. Oh, diddums. But everything's fallen into place and he's going to be on the next series. He's a real love-hate figure. No, he's not love at all. It's just sheer hatred. Everybody hate, Even his so-called friends hate him on the series. He could become absolutely hated, especially if he spends his time trying to come on to anything that moves. I was to say, make it all transgender. 
That'll be so interesting, because I'm quite sure after a few bevies, you know, you know what they say, what's the difference between a, het- a heterosexual man and a gay man? About ten pints, I think. Anyway, uh, his former best friend, Hugo Taylor, came fifth in the series uh, three years ago. Fifth, because he was so boring. And uh, the same year, Spencer, who appeared on The Bachelor, uh, was apparently caught snorting cocaine. Good Lord. But uh, they say he, uh, he, he could be dunked uh, in slime and it could make perfect viewing. But, but the idea that he might have a relationship in there is apparently ITV, ITV's idea of, uh, of, of an interesting programme. Boy goes out with girl in jungle. How dull. Perhaps they're all eunuchs who produce the programme. Perhaps they're all people who sort of, oh, I hope he has an affair. hope he has a relationship. That'll really liven it up, won't it? Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 it definitely won't. Definitely won't. Uh, Big Brother is still going at the moment with another bunch of non-entities. You won't know who any of them are, so I won't mention it. And talking of non-entities, here we are. We're back with the British Bake Off. This is uh, the return. And uh, so they, they've got their... They're sort of line up again. You've got to put up with Paul Hollywood, who's slightly creepy. Mel Gidroich, who's deeply unfunny. And Mary Berry, who's just a star. Oh, and the other one's Sue Perkins. That's the lesbian in a relationship with somebody. Because every programme's got to have a lesbian in it now. I'm terribly sorry, but this programme doesn't. Although I'm willing to try. At least you can't say I'm not sort of game for most things. But uh, it, it wouldn't be a, a BBC programme or an ITV one if we didn't have the obligatory lesbian. And got, on the BBC, they seem to have more than their fair share of lesbians. I think they just hogged the market. I think they've just taken it all over. And so, but, would you like to apply for this? Are you a lesbian? Well, you can come in then. So you've got to put up with, with Mel Gidroich. I mean, she, the worst thing is, she thinks she's funny. And everybody else is going, you're just so not funny. You're so not funny. She was never funny when she was part of Mel and Sue. Sue Perkins was always the funny one and the intelligent one. Whereas Mel, Mel Gidroy, she just felt slightly sorry for her. Who's this? Somebody called Nikki Ray. Nikki Ray. Oh, she's another, it's another diet programme. She was 19 stone, now she's 15 stone. Pfft, like you care. Like you care. And have you heard of James McKelver? No, I'd never heard of James McKelver either. But apparently he's a boy band singer. A boy band singer, and he's with a group called, wait a minute, Rewind. No, I've never heard of them either. I need to, I'm missing out somewhere. Anyway, he was on, um, I think, EasyJet. I think it was Easy, yes, it's EasyJet. And um, he decided to put all his clothes on, which, which, is, which probably sounds a little bit strange to you, but it's so that he could avoid the excess luggage fee. Okay, so what he put on was six T-shirts, four jumpers, three pairs of jeans, two sweatpants, two jackets, and two hats. And he passes out. (laughs) How funny. Uh, EasyJet said he had the option to check his extra bag for a fee, a standard part of their terms. It was £45. And obviously, if you're in a boy band, they're... they're, all he's probably got is two hats and some jackets. And I'm surprised he didn't put six pairs of sunglasses on at the same time. He said the rest of the band had gone through, so I couldn't give them any of the clothes. I was told either have to pay £45 to get it on the next plane, get the flight the next morning, bin the clothes or wear them. So he decided to put them all on. And then he apparently passed out. Twelve layers of clothing. Bit thick, isn't it? Bit thick. And he did this from uh, a flight to their native Glasgow on Wednesday. They're so tight, those Scottish. He's opposed to paying £45. He decided to wear all the clothes. I mean, how mean is that? 
I'd have just binned them. Binning them makes makes far more sense, doesn't it, really? Uh, Jackie from Paddock Woods back in hospital again, says Kevin the Millman. I know. She sent me a thing yesterday saying, I'm back in hospital. It's like, um, I, to be honest with you, I think she's working there. That's the reason she keeps going back into hospital. She's definitely working there. This is one of our one of our regular girls, as they say. One of our regular girls. Mm. I'm beginning to enjoy this water. Apparently it's got something in it. I don't know what. What's it got in it? It says here it's got... It's smart water. So it's, it's got something in it. Enzymes or something, which make, make you feel better. Doesn't really, actually. Doesn't make any difference at all. But it's nice chilled. Chilled water's very good, because I'm definitely going to end up today uh, not drinking much water, but probably drinking quite a bit of uh, Prosecco. Uh, if you find the water difficult to take, coconut water is a good alternative. Flavoured with fruit. Oh, no. No, I know with water I'm quite good with. Very good with water. I don't have any, uh, any problem with, uh, with water. At all. I, I keep a fridge full of water. Mind you, if you look through my fridge at this precise moment in time, you'd find all sorts of bizarre things. Mainly water and Prosecco and insulin. There's a, that's a good combination to keep the insulin chilled in the fridge. <laughs> I'm sure if, 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 if I die and somebody starts going through it, they're going to be going, what's he got in here? Coconut water, insulin, salad, insulin. There's insulin everywhere. I've, you go to get a water. You just need the exercise, don't you? You just go for a walk, aren't you? Would like to go outside? Have a walk round Leicester Square this time of the morning. That's quite nice. <laughs> He's going to go get some water, bless him. So Karen Danshuk makes the papers again today. She really is an ugly, isn't she? Inside and out. Nothing going on here, apparently. According to the Sun today, while her husband was away on parliamentary business, he's now, of course, suffering from depression, and that's when she got the idea of starting to take loads of selfies and put them up there. You know, for a plain person, and God knows. You know, you know the expression wide-eyed and legless? She's obviously got some delusions that she's attractive. Well, we're here to tell you now, Karen Sweetpea, you're not attractive. You're never going to be attractive. It's never going to happen. You're just a rather sad, lonely little person. And uh, as more and more is unravelled about you, I think you really need to get some sort of counselling because you're not there at all, are you? Anyway, um, she uh, she showed a busty online selfie and she sent this salesman a topless photo and said she was in love with him. Dear. This is only after she appeared on Channel 5 the other day saying that, you know, it's not true. There is no affair. I've never had an affair. There won't be an affair. There's just no affair. Out of the mouths of babes, all the rest of it. Apparently, Karen has continued to deny any wrongdoing and accused Simon of being arrogant and an alcoholic. And she said on TV this week that she'd been thrust into the public eye. Oh, dear. You know, when they're delusional and they don't really have a brain cell and they're a bit simple, a bit like that Sally the Burke, you know, unfortunately, they fall into the trap of they think they're a celebrity. And really, she needs to buy my book. Because I can explain the pitfalls to her. I can explain that this one is going to fizzle out and people are going to be pointing and laughing at you, dear. Which they're doing at the moment. She says, I'm having to do this because I've been painted as this scarlet, horrible woman. You're not painted as. You are horrible. You are really revolting about your husband. You're not even divorced, for goodness sake. Then a bloke spends the night there. Now we discover there's been a salesman and you wore sexy undies. Darling, you could wear sexy undies till the cows come over, walk down the road and it wouldn't make you sexy. It really wouldn't. There's nothing that can be done to save you from yourself. Seriously, I only warn you because I've seen people go the same way. And I feel a bit sorry for you. And we send you lots of love and sympathy. Well, we don't actually, but I have to say that just for for legal reasons. But to be honest with you, get some medical help. Dear God's sake. For only for the sake of your children. You know, all these stories about you, it uh, it isn't good. It's not a nice thing. 
You know, the public don't like you. Nobody thinks you're attractive. You're the only one. And these silly little pictures, you're making yourself out to be some sort of tart. It's not a good thing when you've got children, is it? I offer that merely as advice. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Friday morning. Welcome to, yeah, the weekend, which is good. And, uh, Steve, um, Friday morning paper show reminds me that LBC is the best station. Well, we've just got Station of the Year. Nick Ferrari got uh, Best Presenter. Uh, we got Best Programmer in uh, in James Rear. We got, uh, Tom Swarbrick garnered yet more awards. And then there was Auschwitz. And then there was... In fact, I think we probably picked up about six or seven awards the other day. It's not bad going, is it? Not bad going at all. Gareth says, I'm up nice and early as I've got knee reconstruction today. Oh, God. Is that... Yeah, my brother's knees are collapsing as well. They're They're crumbling. They're... Is it calcifying? I can't remember what it is. Whatever it is, they sort of put a camera in there and showed him what they were looking like from the inside. It's funny, I've always been all right with the knees. I've got scratches down my arm. I've got no idea where they came from. Seriously, my, 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 my body is a temple to being marked. It's very odd. Katie Hopkins, in her column today, is talking about uh, Caitlin Jenner and says, yes, you've changed from a man to a woman. Yes, we've all seen you in a corset on the front of Vanity Fair. And yes, you're enjoying wearing a dress. To be honest, love, women don't just do that stuff. We have purpose. We want to be known for more than our face or our dress. And we certainly have bigger issues than either we're a man or a woman. Oh, I know. I know. It's embarrassing, really. You get all these people who sort of change their sex, all the transgenders. And I know a number of transgender people. In fact, probably four people. And they just get on with being a woman. They just get on with doing it. They don't have to sort of parade themselves up and down every time. Or sort of look at silly little Kelly Maloney flaunting herself around, you know, like some old degenerate who's out there going on, here's my new friend friend, and all this. And you think, oh, just shut up and get on with it, for goodness sake. So I agree with Katie Hopkins. You know, the day we saw Caitlyn Jenner on the front of Vanity Fair, it's a case, oh, get over yourself. Just get over yourself, please. And she talks about, um, well, of course, Andy Murray's going to play today, isn't he? And this is where a lot of people are going to take sickies because uh, people want to watch it on the television. They want to watch it. They want to see him uh, win. Of course, we had to suffer with Davy Boy Beckham in the box again. And you think to yourself, obviously, no work on the, on the horizon at all for the Beckhams. She's sort of busy with her clothes shop and, uh, and the kids are busy being paraded around. And Brooklyn goes around with a bodyguard now. Hilarious, isn't it? Absolutely hilarious. And, uh, and Dave just pretends that he likes tennis. I think it's just a case of if they sit at home, they go, um, I've not, I've not had any pictures taken for about, about half an hour. I'll, I'll just go down, down to the shops on my motorbike. You know, knowing that somebody might take a picture down there, especially if you turn up with your own photographer. So that's always quite good, isn't it? And uh, she said, did you watch 24 Hours in A&E? I love it. She says, I love watching basic humanity at work. I admire the heroism of the nursing staff and the loyalty of families facing moments of crisis. But putting the trauma aside, the thing I love best about the show is laughing at humiliating injuries. On Wednesday, a bloke turned up in swimming goggles, covered in tin film, after accidentally sleeping in his contact lenses and getting a blister on his eyeball. If only I'd been on the ophthalmic team, I would have been on the floor cackling my head off and asking him to stop. Then there was the cyclist whose middle digit was dislocated at right angles to his hand. A cyclist in pain, pointing at something he wasn't trying to point at. Again, I was gone, she said. Minor accidents appeal to a very British sense of humour. The army calls it humour in adversity. Arguably, it explains why health and safety officers are the opposite of everything we hold dear. 
<laughs> rolling around on the floor. Enough. Stop it. Stop it. I cannot deal with anything else. It's just too, too much. She says, I may not be a big fan of Chubsters, but little Shenandes, Cheryl Fernandez Vassini Spagbol is so tinky tiny, I feel cold when I look at her. Cheryl, love, you need a good reason, a good roast dinner and some thermals. A long john teamed with a tucked in vest is a look I'm very familiar with. And I think you could pull off with some aplomb <laughs> because Cheryl Versace Vassini Spagbol, otherwise known as Chav Girl from Newcastle, trying to elevate herself, is so painfully thin. Seriously. Seriously, there is more meat in a Kentucky party barrel than there is on her. She was wearing the most ridiculous outfit the other day. The hair makes her look ancient. She looked as bad as she did when she went to do the X Factor in America and they gave her all big hair. She looked ridiculous. 2008, she had somebody else's hair stapled to her head. And then there was a sort of butch look in 2003 when she was with Girls Aloud. Now she just looks emaciated. Seriously, I mean, just not only just painfully thin, but, but really awful looking. I mean, I'd, I think what she what she had to do, she had to take the extensions out of her hair because after a while, if you wear them a long while, as poor old Katie Doolally Price has discovered, um, it rips your hair to pieces. The weight of it pulls your hair out, so you have to take them out every so often. And in, in Cheryl Spagbol's case, it's ruined her hair beyond belief. So when she turned up the other day wearing a... I don't know what cheap outfit it was, but I've a horrible feeling it probably wasn't very cheap. It was very expensive. She just looked even worse. She looks even worse. I mean, she could have looked looked really nice in something, but she chose to look dreadful. And if you look at her in 2011, when she was um, when she was quite fat-faced, now you look at her, she's just thin. As I should imagine Frankie Boyle would say, uh, making love to her would be like making love to two deck chairs put together. <laughs> That's the polite version of it, ladies and gentlemen. So who else? Uh, who was uh, out again? Oh, look, Stephen Fry and Martina Navratilova. Oh, dear, well, there you go. And... Uh, David Beckham out again with his mother, Sandra. She looks as miserable as sin. Pippa and James Middleton. Oh God, what dullards. And uh, John Burko appeared to go to sleep. I'm not at all surprised, actually. And uh, David Beckham was posing for selfies because he's just addicted. He's generally such a shy personality, as we all know. And uh, posing for selfies with sort of people, which is lovely. And members of flogging tickets for the, uh, the semi-final. 16,000 quid a pair. But if you're rich, I mean, £16,000 is nothing, is it, really? Nothing at all. Let me remind you again, if you're waking up, that we had the tube strike in London yesterday, and it will continue today. It's not officially. This is the end of it. But it's going to take a while for them all to get back into order, isn't it? So they've got to make sure that the trains are all in the right place. And so I think there's going to be some disruption this morning, which is, well, I'm hoping not, but I, I have a sneaking feeling there will be. Uh, so I've got Deborah Meaden coming in to have a chat for in conversation for this weekend. Uh, she's been in to do the papers for Nick Ferrari on a few occasions, so this is the time we can drag her away from that. Drag her away and get her to talk about, you know, normal things, like probably Wimbledon, I should imagine. I don't know what we're going to... Whether she's a fan of Wimbledon, I do not know. Actually, Peter Jones turned up on that um, Celebrity Juice programme. No, it wasn't Celebrity... Was it, no, it wasn't Celebrity Juice. Stephen Mulhern is doing a new programme with, uh, with Emma Willis. And at one point, I'm sure Stephen Mulhern in the back... Back recesses of my mind. I'm sure, did Stephen take all his clothes off? That was superimposed, wasn't it? I'm pretty certain that's not Stephen Mulhern's body. I'm pretty certain I know what Stephen Mulhern's body looks like. And it certainly wasn't the body that was displayed on the television. Well, I don't think so, anyway. And, uh, and if you're thinking of going to, to Tunisia on holiday, the Foreign Office are saying don't. 
and they're, they're quite clear about it. They think there could be another terrorist attack. There could be another lunatic going up and down the beaches or blowing themselves up or doing something. But obviously, on the advice of security services, the Foreign Office have reiterated and said, do not go to Tunisia. If you're in Tunisia, they're sending planes to get people out. They think now it's, it's going to get dangerous. So they're advising people to come out. The people of Tunisia, who are kind of caught up in this, um, unfortunately are going to suffer. The tourist industry is going to suffer. And I think they will suffer at the same time. And they're saying, listen, we've only got little cafes. We're, we're, we're struggling as it is. And if nobody comes here, what are we going to do? And the answer is, you're going to suffer. And I could hold my hands up and say, I wish I knew what the answer was. Unfortunately, there is no answer. If there is the danger that British nationals on holiday in Tunisia are going to be attacked, then we have to get them out. And we have to get them out very quickly. There's about 3,000, I think, 3,000 Brits And if the Foreign Office says, get out, they mean, get out. And if you're thinking of going, cancel. I don't think there'll be any repercussions on this one. I don't think any any travel companies are going to be putting penalties on people if they want to cancel their holiday to an area that could be another target for Brits. And I don't want to be doing a repeat of what we had to do a few weeks ago. So the advice is, if you're in Tunisia, get out and get to the airport as fast as possible. Let's get back home. Let's not start messing around here. Not start No heroics. Let's just get out, and then nothing will happen, OK? Because I don't want to be reading these stories yet again that a car bomb has gone off and this or that. I don't think there's enough security over there for us, and I think you'll just have to find somewhere else to go to. So that's the advice from the Foreign Office. Uh, Chelsea says, completely agree with you regarding the cat story. This is the story in the paper of a, of a thug who put a knife... Through, uh, through a cat's shoulder. It was cowering in the bushes. God knows what pain it went through. They've managed to anaesthetise it. They've taken the knife out, and hopefully the cat should make a full recovery. Unlike, I'm hoping, the person who perpetrated the crime. My cat's an indoor cat, and I would never let him out, because stories like the one you mentioned are increasingly commonplace. I don't think mental health issues are to blame, though. More likely just pure evil. Those with mental health issues are more likely to harm themselves than the innocent animal. You're probably right, actually. It's just you, you can't think of a way round it, can you? Can you actually believe that there are people who are, who, are so, who are so evil that they would do something like that? And the answer is yes. Yes. There are people who are that evil. We see them in court. You see them on the Jeremy Kyle show. They're generally the ones with no teeth. And that's the women. And they've generally got themselves pregnant. It's, I mean, it's all a bit depressing. I watched a little bit of it yesterday. And again, it's just people shouting at each other. You did this to me, I did that. You're not seeing your son, you're not seeing your daughter, you're a bad father, you smoke drugs in front of her, and so it goes on. And you suddenly realise that no matter what happens in the country, you know, the government have to uh, have to sort out this benefit system because there are these people who just rely on it. I see a couple in Twickenham every day. They don't live in Twickenham. They certainly don't look as though they could afford to live in Twickenham. They, have, they push around a pushchair. She's enormous, and he's um, of uh, of some extraction from abroad, and all they do is they just wander around the streets. They obviously come from Hounslow or Feltham or something like that, and they just push the pram around the street. They don't do anything. And I'm thinking, are you on benefits? You feel like saying to me, are you on benefits? Because I have a sneaking feeling they are. And it's people like that. You've got to get off benefits. You've got to get them back into work again to try and get them, you know, back into this, this sort of work ethic. You know, the people who want to get up in the morning and go to work. Nobody enjoys it, but you do it because it's good fun, don't you? If you've got a job that, that's really miserable, go and get another job. Go and get another job. Don't say there aren't any. There's loads of jobs out there. Um, the other day I went to Harlow Harvey Centre, says Len, saw a women's clothes shop called Posh. 
It was cheap-looking clothes. Do you think that's the Beckhams? I don't think so. Even though she originates from Harlow. No, she said she didn't want to go back there, didn't she? She didn't, uh, didn't like Harlow at all. Uh, 15 to 1, says Judith, is back on Channel 4. Really? Good Lord. And um, it was William G. Stewart. But now Sandy Toxic is doing it. Yes, I've seen her. Do- she's actually not bad. Out of all the people doing it, and I've worked with, with Sandy, she's not bad. Although she's changed her image. Have you seen? Now she's going into politics. My God, she's unrecognisable. Seriously. I worked with Sandy for a, for a couple of years. And uh, now she's changed her image. Her hairstyle has changed. Her fa- everything about her has changed. Quite remarkable. A remarkable transformation, as they say. So Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about not travelling to Tunisia. I can't impress on people enough. If the Foreign Office say on their website and are now doing it on the uh, newspapers, do not go to Tunisia. And if you're in Tunisia, get the heck to the airport. Okay, get on a plane, get back here. That way you're going to be a lot safer. And he's going to talk about the M25 and the migrants who ran on both sides of the carriageway. What's the answer to that one? Hopefully we'll sort it all out today on LBC. Big day for Murray and the people throwing sickies. The sex inquiry judge has vowed to reveal the identities of establishment paedophiles. Greece, days from disaster. Uh, The Briton facing 20 years in jail for a mid-air assault on his wife. Lorraine Kelly wears a bikini. Don't ever again. Uh, The boy band singer collapsing with the heat exhaustion. Uh, The Thai police, they've lost vital DNA. I'm terribly sorry, they said, we've lost it. What a bunch of incompetent nincompoops. Charities in crisis over cold call menace. And uh, the mum of eight, the £20,000 cap, will cost us our home. I think she should have been sterilised, to be honest with you. The news is next. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the 10th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. It's nice to be company. I think the weather's going to be nice today. Much more of this sunshine. I'll be burnt to a crisp. 3,000 Brits in Tunisia. Out, say the Foreign Office. Get out now. They think that there's uh, more atrocity on the way. The sex inquiry judges vow to reveal the identities of establishment paedophiles. What happens after that, we do not know. Big day for Murray and you throwing sickies. Uh, more pictures of that baby. I mean, how many more, for goodness sake? The misery of middle age. The worries over family and work make people lonely. Charities in crisis over the cold call menace. And the chemist on cocaine set fire to a hotel after a lover's tiff for the hunt ball gone very chavvy at uh, Hunt Balls. I thought it was fairly upmarket, not judging by some of the rubbish I was reading about in the papers for today. And I, I have not seen Love Island. I don't think I could lower myself to watch Love Island at all. It really doesn't interest me. I might have seen a little tiny bit of it where it's sort of a lot of people who can barely, they sort of grunt their way through the language. Ooh, ooh, fan- fancy woman, woman love me. And, and all the women... I mean, the language, I mean, again, none of them can string two words together. It's, it's just literally a torrent of filth, I'm afraid. And I like to elevate myself a little bit better than that. Kevin the Milkman says, scratches on the arm. What have you and Teddy been up to? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Even the next door's little boy, who's... Well, I said to him yesterday, how old are you? And he said... He thought about it, and he went... Three and a half. But because he speaks Polish and English, which I think is... Don't you think that's really clever? A child of three and a half is doing better than me at my mature years. And he speaks, his mum speaks to him in Polish and in English. 
and he lapses between the two languages. So sometimes he gets a little bit confused with the English and the Polish. But, uh, so his English is suffering a little bit, because I think he speaks better Polish. But even he was looking at the scratches on the arm. He was going, hurt, hurt. I get, no, not really. They do if you pull them, yeah. And I don't know what it is, actually. It's odd, isn't it? I'm constantly marking my body. I don't know, perhaps it's some territorial thing. Perhaps Teddy's marked me down for something. But I definitely got burnt yesterday. Oh, more, more scratches. I definitely got burnt yesterday. I didn't realise how hot it was. And you tend to forget, I should really wear one of those floppy hat things. But today it's another Larry shirt. It's another sort of Hawaii Five-O, Bookham Dano. Because I've come to the conclusion that, A, they hang well. And I do like a shirt that hangs well. Secondly, it makes you feel a bit better. If you put a bra- It's like having a suntan, isn't it? You wake up in the morning. If you look in the mirror and you look a bit pale, a bit like Cheryl Spagbowl, you start thinking to yourself, oh, it's a bit of a restoration job. And people say, how are you? And you go, well, I'm OK. But sometime between going to bed and waking up, I think I died. And so you have to sort of try and get yourself... You can imagine what it was like years ago when I had hair. Pfft hair that I worried about. And you'd have to sort of, in the morning, you couldn't just sort of wake up and do sort of licking a promise. You had to sort of do everything. You had to do your hair. And then if it was windy, oh, just ruined everything. Just ruined everything. And so now, now I've got to that sort of, not midlife crisis, because I don't, I don't believe there is such a thing as midlife crisis. I think they make it up. Because they think you have to do something when, when you get to middle age. So you get, so you're born, and then you sort of. There is some period I'm convinced in your life where you age overnight, and all of a sudden everything happens. You know that time when you put your socks on and you and you make noises. You know you go oh, and you put your socks. I've come to the conclusion now. It's, I think it must be to do with old age. I can't stand on one leg. Now I don't generally go around trying to stand on one leg, but when you're putting your socks on in the morning, you have to lift one leg up, don't you? Well, I can't do that anymore. I have to lean against something. It's not a good look. I have to lean against something. It's like the other day I was taking my jeans off. Because when you get home, you take, take your jeans off, put a pair of shorts on. It's the only time I wear shorts at home and around the, around the patio. I, wouldn't, I could not walk out on the street, although my hairdresser, Kasia, is insisting she's seen me in a pair of shorts. I went quite cold. And I went to, put my, to take my jeans off, and I took one leg, and as I stood up and pulled the leg, I fell over. I literally, I was like a scene out of a movie, like... Yeah. And so I now have to lean up against something or put my foot at the bottom of the jean, then lift my foot up through it. So one foot's holding... Oh, that's a very complicated procedure. And that, I think, is a sign of sort of getting to that age where you're sort of losing the plot a little bit. I remember when I first mentioned I've got a seat in the shower. I got derided by people. Seat in the shower? Well, I'm telling you, it's the best thing I ever did. It's the best... That, there'll be lots of you listening going, where did you get one of those from? I got mine in Argos. Argus, as we call it. And uh, it's lovely. You just sort of assemble it. And it's only a simple little thing with the back on it. And you just sit it in the bath and it's fantastic. You just sit there. You can reach your feet and everything. And you know how difficult it is to reach your feet when you get to a certain age. So that makes me very happy. And whenever I go on holiday, in fact, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day. Well, in fact, a friend of mine who works for another radio station in this building. And he has a bath every day. I said every day. He said sometimes twice a day. Twice a day a bath, I said. I couldn't, I mean, I said, I've had a shower once a day. I said, I don't think I've ever had a shower twice a day. He said, I have a shower before I climb into bed. Oh, sorry, a bath before he climbs into bed. And I thought, I'm obviously not doing it enough. I've obviously need to get into this thing, but baths take for ages. Ages and ages and ages. So a shower for me is much nicer, much, much nicer. So anyway, if you've just woken up, the advice is, if you're thinking of going to Tunisia, don't. If you're in Tunisia, and there might be people listening to this programme, you know what the advice is there. It's get out. And that's why there's uh, an evacuation taking place. They're saying 
immediately. Don't don't hang around. They're saying immediately. Holiday firms are sending extra jets to go and pick people up. The warning comes after the 30 Brits were killed in Sousa. The Foreign Office say this is with immediate effect. You need to get out of the country. They've either heard something or there's been some intelligence gathering that's gone on that there could be reprisals for the gunman being shot dead. And uh, the reprisals could mean that they're going to go over there and there could be new... IS plots and another attack. So the idea is get out and get out now. And if you've got friends over there who maybe haven't picked up an English paper and aren't aware of it, then you need to phone them and make sure that they're aware that there will be planes. Get down to the airport. They will get you back come hell or high water because it's a lot safer to be over here than it is to be over there. The problem is that the innocent people in... uh, in Tunisia are going to suffer. Those people who've got beach bars, those people who've got uh, hotels, they're going to suffer because it's not just the Brits are over there, but I should imagine every other uh, foreign embassy is advising people to get out. So Nick Ferrari will look at that a, l- a little bit later on. Uh, the migrant problem. Yesterday on the motorway, the M25 ground to a halt. Why? Because six people who'd uh, climbed into the back of a lorry managed to get out and were running across the motorway in all directions. And you think to yourself, what, how did they get through? I thought they're supposed to x-ray the lorries and everything. How did they get in? I mean, how is this possible? I've seen hidden cameras where you can see them breaking into the lorry. And then you think, but, you know, isn't, why can't they just make these lorries so that you can't break into them? They seem to be quite desperate, these people. I think they're desperate because they're here for the benefits. I don't think they're here for any other reason apart from benefits and thieving and stuff like that. Uh, the charity crisis was the Daily Mail story, which we did... What was that? A week ago we did it. Nearly a week ago on LBC when we were talking about the fact that this cold calling, which has got to stop, is now happening and lots of major charities do it. Um, Lots of of well-known charities, for example, the British Red Cross, have now suspended all telephones campaigns that they ran with GoGen. Oxfam have written to hundreds of thousands of donors in a bid to reassure them of action. And um, because loads of people were saying to the paper the other week, the Daily Mail, they were saying, we've now decided to cancel any money that we give to these charities because of the aggressive stance that they take with a company, (coughs) excuse me, that's not associated with the charity. They're employed to drum up business. And uh, people have said they don't want anything to do with it. So the charities are losing out. And as you know, charity is business. Charity is big, big business nowadays. These charities rake in millions and hundreds of millions of pounds a year. But when you read of some people targeted up to ten times a day by cold calling, I said never there was a better time than to get yourself an answer phone. Never was there a better time than to say to an elderly parent or relative, you know, don't pick up the phone. Let them leave a message... And then you can call, if you recognise the voice, then you pick up the phone and answer the phone. It's so simple now. So you leave a message saying, we're not in, leave your name and number. They invariably will not leave a message if it's an answer phone. Whereas if it's one of your friends, they will leave a message. But the charities don't. They're not going to say, oh, this is GoGem calling on behalf of the British Red Cross. We'd like to pick up your telephone. They don't do that. The moment it's an answer phone... The phone goes down the other end because they're sitting in a huge call centre and they can see the numbers and they ring and ring and ring and ring. If it goes to an answer phone, the machine cuts them off. It's only if somebody picks up that they then get alerted. Somebody's picked up and they can then go, hello, my name's Bob, calling on behalf of the British Red Cross today. We're trying to uh, look for people who can help donate. You put the phone down. It's like these chuggers on the streets. How they've ever been allowed to get away with it, I've got no idea. These aggressive tactics on the street of targeting people. Uh, I thought it was begging. 
You know, to actually approach somebody. You don't find people who are doing poppies and collecting. I mean, you know, Battle of Britain, there might be people out on the streets today for the, uh, for the, for the British uh, Air Force. There might be. They're not allowed to just stand in front of you and go, would you buy a ticket? Would you, would you buy a little badge? Would you, buy, would you give us some money? And the Red Cross, they're not allowed to do it. Why are the chuggers allowed to do it? Irritating little so-and-sos. I'll tell you, I'd run them all over. I really would. I think they're very irritating and they prey on the vulnerable. Hello, have you got two minutes? No, I haven't. That's what they do. We get them loads of times around our way, don't I? Perhaps they think the people of Twickenham are a good target. Actually, they must be. They target students. Students stand there. They're obviously desperate for a conversation with anybody because nobody talks to students except the chuggers. Hello. We're trying to save gay whales in Namibia. Lovely. OK, how much do you need? I don't need any money from you. I just need your phone number. And that's the start of it. Don't ever, ever give your... You wouldn't give it to anybody else. Some stranger comes up to you on the bus and goes, can I have your phone number? You go, go away. And yet you give it to some perfect stranger you don't know on the street because they're wearing a high-vis jacket. It's quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast at seven this morning. Award-winning Nick Ferrari. Flights full of Britons are coming home today, as the Foreign Office says you should not travel to Tunisia unless necessary. And in fact, if you're in Tunisia, you need to get out. They quite clearly have got some sort of intelligence that something is going to kick off and it's going to kick off quickly. So uh, let's not be uh, complacent on this one. It's a case of if you've got people out there, they need to get back here. They need to get to the airport so people can get out. What, of course, for the uh, the peaceful, law-abiding Tunisians who are stuck there with now a tourist industry that is just about to collapse around their ears. Uh, part of the M25 was closed yesterday as six migrants ran on both sides of the carriageway. I mean, what is this crisis costing? So why can't we find these people? They seem to find them for television programmes. It seems the authorities can't find them at all. French people couldn't care less. Makes no difference to them. And we mark 75 years since the RAF did us proud in the Battle of Britain. Still one of my favourite films. Still one of one of my favourite theme tunes. Uh, looking at the papers today, Hannah Tallett, the Sky News presenter, will be with Nick Ferrari. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Uh, Pete says you don't need to do a dancing act to put your socks on. It simply means you've been doing it the wrong way. Try sitting down. I can't. My bed has got memory foam and I kind of sink into it. <laughs> so it's not like it's hard. Oh, actually, I do have a chair. Oh, I could sit on a chair. I don't know, it just seems a little bit pointless. Doesn't it? I feel I should be able to stand on one leg to put socks on. Obviously, uh, obviously not. I should uh, point out today that uh, Noreen says, I, I very briefly saw Sandy Toxvik on TV yesterday. I didn't realise it was her until you just, just said she's doing 15 to 1. I know. I think these were filmed before she had the makeover. She's had a, a radical makeover. She's almost unrecognisable. You know, people do something. They either lose a lot of weight uh, or they change their hairstyle or, you know, their face or Botox, whatever it happens to be. And she's had this, this radical overhaul. Seriously unrecognisable. A friend of ours says Noreen was booked to go to Tunisia in two weeks. They were, they were asked if they wanted to change the holiday, which they did. Now it seems nobody's going to be going there, which is sad for everyone. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And the next thing that you'll be seeing on the news, you'll be seeing empty hotels and uh, people saying, you know, we had a business a month ago. Now we've got nothing at all. But uh, there again, why would you want to go to a place where there is a chance that another gunman could walk up the beach, even after you've seen his parents on the television denying the fact that their son killed anybody? They're so in denial, it's a, it's, it almost beggars belief. They think somebody framed him. Somebody framed him. He's walking up the beach with a gun, firing at people, and they've got it on camera, and they think he was framed. It's somebody else doing it. Somebody else is doing the killing. You can't make it up, can you, really? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Just watch Cheryl Fernandez, Spagbowl. 
You know, you don't want to rub her up the wrong way. Oh, she can be very nasty, as we know. I, I love it when she used to sit on there and Louis used to wind her up. She'd give him one of her one of her chavvy looks. It was very scary. Very scary. Um, 84850, steve at Tiffy says, I adore Harry Potter, because we were talking about Harry Potter yesterday. And uh, they had the tables groaning with food. It's the only thing that made me think of it. Food, first thing in the morning, LBC, early breakfast, you think of food. And uh, Tiffy's been listening to the books on audio ever since J.K. Rowling wrote them. When I first saw the first movie, they started bringing out merchandise. My great-grandmother took me to a $2 shop to get something else, and she bought me a Harry Potter doll. Quite small, made of plastic, removable head and removable arms. I wish I'd known I could get them anymore. I haven't seen them for years. My one broke after two years. Now, you see, things like that, any of that early merchandise costs, uh, costs money. And if it costs money, it's collectible, which is good. Uh, Little Julie says, yes, the thug who hurt the cat. Let's hope they get caught. And today, hot and tomorrow. And then I think the heavens open, don't they? I'm going to a lavender farm on... When am I going to a lavender farm? Sunday. I'm going to a lavender farm. I've never been to a lavender farm before. My neighbour Lynn's very excited. I said, do you want me to bring you back any lavender? And she said, well, we could get some lavender plants. Like we need more plants at the moment. Like we're up to our gunnels with plants. Uh, Steve, good to hear that Channel 5 have brought forward the end of Celebrity Big Brother as after bringing so many called celebs back, they've gone over budget. Yes, this is just with their normal Big Brother. And uh, God help us if Andy wins. There's no doubt much of what happened with the Olympic Games and our medal success there. Golden balls will be credited. Oh, David, you don't think David Boy's going again, do you? He's obviously got nothing in the diary. I feel a bit sorry for him. But uh, special mention to Jackie back in hospital, and an early birthday wish to both her and our lovely friend, Sheila Feinsilver, who also celebrates, and Paulie Manchesterford. The other person who celebrates is uh, Giles, my former producer. Yes, Giles Mason celebrates his birthday today, so many happy returns of the day. And I wish I could tell you how old he is, but I can't. All I know is he's a lot younger than me, but there again, they all are. Also in the paper today, one in 11 Britons are on happy pills. I don't think James O'Brien was on a happy pill the other day. He was very grumpy. Very, very grumpy. But uh, one in 11 adults is on antidepressants. 9% of Brits have taken these uh, pills, which is the fourth highest. Uh, 3% of Greeks, uh, which is the lowest among 27 nations. Only Portugal, Lithuania and Malta took more antidepressants than the Brits. I said, I mean, what do they do? Go around and check with people. Excuse me. Uh, where are you from? All ah, right. You do antidepressants? I don't know, nice. And the third baby, says little Julie, on the way for the Roonies. I know. Well, how did that happen? How did... When? When did that happen? It's, it's expected in um, January, isn't it? So you have to, you have to sort of count backwards. Uh, Caroline says, thank you very much indeed for the tip on the Tomorite. This is my tip for everybody. If you want everything to grow in the garden, you don't need miracle grow. You don't need Richard Jackson's things. You don't need anything. You just need a big gallon thingy of Tomorite. Got to be Tomorite, not, uh, not tomato feed. Tomorite. And that's the only because it's got more potassium in it than anything else. And just a little dollop in your watering can. So what I tend to do, being a clever boy and a canny boy, is I water the baskets and I water them to the point of drenching. In other words, the water is running out of the bottom of the basket. You go round, because I've got about uh, 12 baskets to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen baskets. Might have to change that and get fourteen. Thirteen baskets to water, plus all the troughs and everything else. I go round and I drench until the water is dripping through the bottom of the basket, not from the top, dripping through to the bottom. Once they've all been thoroughly drenched, then I fill up the watering can, 
Philip right up to the top. Good dollop of Tomorite, or whatever proprietary brand you use. But uh, as I say, I've sworn by Tomorite ever since Pete Murray told me on LBC years ago. And uh, I then go round and add a dollop into each basket and each tub, and that works. Because they've already been soaked through, so the Tomorite in the water will mix and it soaks through into the water that's in the baskets. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Not be disappointed. Uh, James Coney, writing in the mail today, said, does anybody care about retirement? Do people want to retire? I don't want to retire. I've never thought about retiring. I know other people have thought about it for me. About two people in my life have said, have you ever thought about retiring? I said, no. Never thought about it at all. I mean, I'm hoping to go on until the end. Till I go completely round the twist. <laughs> uh, the mother of eight in the papers today. This is a single mother of eight. Uh, Marie Buchan. I mean, obviously a rather stupid woman. You know, a single mother of eight. I wonder if they're all with the same fathers. Anyway, uh, she rakes in 26 grand a year in benefits. I mean, quite clearly she doesn't work. Her idea of working is lying on her back, I suppose, and pushing out another one. She said there are nine of us to feed and we're not living in luxury. I'm sorry, dear, have you heard of contraception? Why should we have to pay for your misdemeanours? Ridiculous. She says uh, the £20,000 welfare limit was among measures. She says she's already behind with her rent and a £6,000 benefit drop will see her kicked out of her four-bedroom home. She previously courted controversy by her hopes of having a ninth child with a surrogate. But uh, luckily, well, see, it's worked already. They've actually put her off having another child. I'm a more stupid woman. You'd be hard pushed to find, wouldn't you? Currently lives in a house rented from the Bourneville Village Trust with her children, Tia, Leia, Latoya, Joshua, Alicia, Amela, Olivia. She gets £500 a week. I mean, to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, and I don't think it's unreasonable to ask... Why aren't the fathers of her children paying? Why are we paying for it? Better go back to them, darling. She says, I've had so much hate from all over the world. People say I'm lazy and take, take, take. But I'm a mum of eight who works hard raising my children. No, you're not. Go back to the fathers. Get them to pay for it. Why should we have... I don't want to pay for your children. That's your problem. If you're stupid enough to have nine children, you know, I'm clever enough to say, let's take your benefits away. Um, I'm on holiday. In the Hambleton Hills, said Mo, and I wouldn't swap this stunning cottage and views for anything in the world. People keep saying, you know, don't have holidays abroad, have holidays here. My friend Mr Shah, as you know, who's got a chemist in Twickenham Goods, <coughs> he went to the Rockies. And he said it's beautiful. And I know because I've seen pictures. It looks absolutely stunning. Charity says Jane have taken to cold calling, knocking on doors. So people beware. Not just the God Squad, but now the doorstep chuggers. Well, I think that's outrageous outrageous. I'd always do what Jasper Carrot advised. If, you, if you're going to get people cold calling, take all your clothes off, wrap a towel around your waist, open the door and then let the towel drop. And then just stand there, staring them out. I bet they don't stand there very long. <laughs> it's only a thought, you know, you don't actually have to do that. I don't want anybody, you know, don't want Lorraine Kelly to do that. Thank you very much indeed. That could be dreadful. Um, buy one, pay for two is the co-op. Double charges its shoppers because it's certainly all at the co-op right now. And uh, Murray says, I know the Centre Court fans love Roger, but I hope they cheer me. Playing for the sympathy vote and playing fast asleep is, um, is John Burko. He was in the Royal Box. They just shove anybody in their old Royal Box, don't they? It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, lying for a mortgage. You ever applied for a mortgage? 
I should imagine the single mother with nine children has ever applied for a mortgage. As I say, we'd just like to find the father of her children and make them pay through the nose for it. As I say, ridiculous scenario that she said, oh, I could be kicked out onto the street as if that was ever going to happen. But you do ask yourself the question, if you're stupid enough to have nine children, who did you think was going to pay for them? You surely didn't think that this country was going to be supporting you for the rest of your born days. No, certainly not. You go back to the father's. Why don't you take them to court? Do something useful in your life. Anyway, a lot of people now have to lie on their forms to, uh, to pass the strict lending test. And uh, because a lot, a lot of people think that the lenders are out to trick you. And that's why we were talking the other day about the programme on the television about the Nat West, who are lending money to a, just about any old Tom, Dick and Harry who wandered in the door. And I thought, wait a minute, Nat West is part of the RBS group. Wasn't that what got them into trouble in the first place? Supposed to sort of encouraging people to save. They couldn't, they couldn't be handing out more money if they tried. Anyway, these uh, questions um, uh, prevent a return to the reckless lending, which led to the financial me- meltdown in 2008. But unfortunately, what you've ended up with is almost like a Spanish Inquisition of, uh, of people feel that they're being punished by the regulators uh, and lots of in intrusive questions like, you know, how much is how much is your haircut? Do you eat steak? All these kind of things which go towards your ability to pay your mortgage back. That's all they want to know. Can you afford to pay your mortgage back? And they think by asking you these uh, these questions, that's going to help them. So do you eat steak very often? So wh- what are you supposed to write down? Are you supposed to write down hardly ever? Or do you write down, yep, every day? In which case they might go, oh, I'm not sure whether or not you can afford to do that and pay the mortgage back. Well, then don't give them the money. And that's why people have started telling lies. People have started working out um, exactly, you know, how they can lie to get the mortgage. It's as simple as that. Uh, They're looking for people at a production company now for children between 8 and 12 years old for an observational documentary exploring childhood experiences with weight. That's in the mail today. Instead, It might appear in other papers. I've got no idea. Uh, Do I ever think about retirement, says Philip? Absolutely, yes. I have 16 working days left. There are no more daily commuting to a job and employer I've been with for over 40 years. And I've enjoyed less and less in recent times. No more wasting two hours of every day just sitting on a train. I still want to keep busy in my dotage, maybe with some voluntary work. And I will probably rise at silly o'clock to listen to my favourite radio show. But roll on 16 working days time. Isn't it funny? You see, Philip is is just getting ready for it. He can't wait to retire. And I suppose if you've done the same thing day in, day out, and you hate your boss, and you hate the work environment, then you probably can't wait to retire. But you're quite right. If you do retire, and you do think about retiring, and you've got to make sure financially you can afford to retire, it's a case of you've got to keep yourself occupied. It's It would be easy, wouldn't it, Philip, to fall into the trap of going, right, well, I'm just going to sleep all day. Because my little body's so tired. And then after a while, your little bo- you have enough trouble making your body up. And that's why I end up with even more listeners. As people sort of are sleeping during the daytime, they're wide awake from about two o'clock in the morning, which is great for me. And then they sleep a little bit later on, and so it all becomes a bit topsy-turvy. So the advice is that if you're thinking of retiring, you've got to make sure that you've got something else. Do some voluntary work, you know, help out at a local theatre. That way you get to see all the productions for free, especially if you work as an usher. They're always looking for people. And they're always looking for people who've retired because you're far more loyal than, than people who, um, who are sort of younger, who aren't really bothered about it, really. They're just, oh, just a mean to an end, just give me some money and I'll do this. Uh, the Thai murders are in the paper today. The DNA evidence has gone missing. 
I mean, the incompetence of the Thai police, it, it is almost a joke, isn't it, really? Uh, the judge is deciding whether defence lawyers can independently re-examine the prosecution exhibits, including items found at the scene. But in an embarrassing admission, the uh, police lieutenant, Colonel Somsak Nurod, said, yes, Nurod, says DNA evidence and a hair sample said to implicate the accused have gone missing and may have been destroyed. I mean, it's just, they are so incompetent. It is a bunch of buffoons. So a piece of DNA evidence and a hair sample from the accused, which could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, has gone missing. Probably destroyed. Makes you feel that the whole thing is just a bit of a setup, isn't it? To placate the poor people, the families, to go, uh, we've, we've arrested two people. Here they are, and we shall put them on trial. You know, I wonder why they were smiling when they were back in the wagon as they were being led into court in chains and shackles. They were probably laughing, going, yeah, we're all in on this one. They won't... We, 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 we've had nothing to do with this murder. Nothing to do with us at all. But uh, they're, they're, they're putting two people up for it. And then, you know, then it'll just be explained that they've lost the evidence. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, the... Uh, the, the suspects have said that the police tortured them into confessing. And that's why, of course, having lost the evidence, I mean, how convenient you can quite clearly put the Thai police down as a bunch of nincompoops. Uh, pandas are not lazy. I know they look as though they're lazy. It's just that I think they think a lot. I've seen Kung Fu Panda. I think he's the exception to the rule. You know, he, he does all that, all that kind of stuff. But I think that, uh, that they're not lazy at all. I just think they want a cushy lifestyle. It doesn't make them lazy. I think they've got an underactive thyroid. I know what that can be like. I have a thyroid that doesn't work at all, as indeed many of you probably have. And, uh, and that's why pandas just sit there and they go, what do we do today? I think we'll just stare out of the, uh, stare out of the bars. Stare at, oh, let's go for a walk. Oh, I can't be bothered, I'll do it later. That's what pandas are like. I think they're actually quite cool and laid back. I think pandas are cool. Because over in China, they breed pandas. I know they keep saying they're really difficult to breed, but they can't be, because the Chinese seem to be very successful. And all the staff, you've seen them in this panda sanctuary, dress up as pandas, so they don't, they don't see humans, so you can keep them sort of reasonably wild, I suppose. Every day, there's always another story about dreary old Stephen Gerrard and his even drearier wife, you know, in Los Angeles. Like, anybody cares. I couldn't remotely care. He's newly signed to LA Galaxy. Goodbye, thank you. End of story. Take yourself and your dreary wife and stay over there. The other day they had the poor creature walking down Beverly Hills. Nobody walks in Beverly Hills. Nobody, but nobody. Unless you're really an outsider. People turn up in cars, the car waits outside the shop. You walk in, buy the stuff, come out, get back in the car. Nobody goes window shopping. They know what the shops are on Rodeo Drive and places like that. I know, I've done the tour bus. We've been round there. We know what goes on. It's very nice. But, you know, if you saw somebody who says Chav as uh, Stephen Gerrard's wife, you know, you'd be calling the police out. And she was walking, like Billy No Mates there. And so this time, they've now got a picture of his super home. By Beverly Hill standards, this is a, this is a maisonette. This is a real pokey place that they've got here. They claim it's £18 million. Well, to be honest with you, they don't own it. They're just renting. And... It's it's really quite naff. I'm really quite surprised, actually. It's it's on a main road, by the look of it. Always bad news. And uh, it's it's just a very small place. I mean, p- off-street parking for about three or four cars? I don't know. It's, it's really bad. And then they've got a picture of the new kitchen. 
Well, blimey, this, this house is in Gerard's Cross have got kitchens bigger than this. And the living room, they say, with a huge television. In fact, perhaps where they come from, they don't have huge televisions. Are we, I mean, and people meant to look at this and go, wow, he's in a... He's in a they, yeah, that's right, they do. The producer pointed out, not me. He said they do have big, supersized televisions in Liverpool. They're not theirs, they've been nicked, uh, but they, they, everybody has them. They're really, you know, the big televisions. That's what they've got. I mean, you know, most of these sort of chavvy people have got them. But when I look at this house, this is not a super home in Beverly Hills. I can show you what super homes are in Beverly Hills, which are ten times the size of this one. This is positively pokey. The kitchen, not that I've ever thought that, uh, whatever her name is, Alexis. Is it Alexis, Gerard? Is it? I can't remember her name now. But uh, I, I always think that she doesn't look as though she should cook anyway. Wait a minute, they've got here, it's got its own waterfall, a pool and a cinema. Well, that's quite normal. And also, when they say it's got its own waterfall, when you see it, you'll die laughing. It's a real pokey place. By Beverly Hills standards, this place would be the sort of thing you'd put the staff in for some of the big houses. There are super rich people over there. And then they say, his new neighbourhood is yards from where Elvis Presley lived. Also also once called home by Frank Sinatra, and neighbours include Jane Fonda. She's not going to be opening the door any time to the Gerrards, let me tell you. Nobody walks anywhere in Beverly Hills. It's cars everywhere. They've got security to make sure. She's going to be so isolated in this pokey little house, which is just awful. I don't know who's got it at the moment, but they obviously own some very cheap sun lounges. But it's a kitchen. I've seen a bit. Seriously, there are better kitchens in squats than this one here. And they've got spacious, the living room with huge television. They're obviously trying to make out that he's done really, really well. But I think he's taken a, a salary drop, hasn't he, to go over there? I thought that's what the rule was. Are you sure? I thought he... Yeah, he has. He's taken a pay drop. It says in the paper. It says here, the contract reportedly earns him 76 grand a week in Liverpool... 140 grand a week. Yeah. Listen, he's in a cheap house that he can't afford to buy. You know, he rents. Mind you, I think the Beckhams rent as well. I don't think people buy these houses over there unless you're super rich and you're American. But, I mean, she's... What's she going to do? What's she going to do? What's she gonna, she doesn't got any friends. What's she going to do? Just wander up and down the street like Billy No Mates. The, the, the American wives are far more sophisticated than, than her. I mean, really. But at least they're going to be over there with their lovely daughters. Lily Ella, Lexi and Lourdes. All the L's. All the L's, isn't that lovely? Why do so many whales die on British beaches? I've got no idea. Even though people sort of turn them round and try and head them back out to sea, they seem to have a death wish, don't they? They seem to have a death wish. It's a very interesting story on... Um, it's, 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 it's awful. I mean, I don't want to read this to you, because if you're an animal lover like me, you'll be far too depressed about it. But, uh, but they, they, they literally beach themselves in, in an effort to kill themselves. And the worst thing is that seagulls come down and start eating them whilst they're still breathing their last. And, you know, because the tide goes out a long way in some of these places, I think the pilot whales were stranded on a beach last year, and there were one, two, three, four, five, there were about seven of them. And it's, it's like they seem to have this death wish. And you, you can't help them. You can take them back into the water. And they seem to head back into shore again. It's bit, I don't know what it is. I've got no idea what it is. It's all terribly, terribly sad. Terribly sad. Uh, time check for you. Uh, it's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, and Bridget, on the subject of retiring, says, Steve, it's my last day at Duncombe School in Hartford after 25 years. I shall miss the children 
and the staff, but I'm looking forward to having more time to myself. So obviously this uh, this retirement malarkey thing, people look forward to. As long as you as long as you make sure though that you have provided, you know, something to keep your brain occupied, something that will sort of you know keep you something to look forward to. It doesn't have to be work, just sort of something that you really enjoy doing. Uh, Mark uh, did a bit of work out in Thailand. With the, uh, with the expat who ran the school I was working at, spoke Thai. He said the corruption at all levels of society out there is staggering. No surprises, therefore, regarding the dodgy police investigation. Oh, I absolutely... I mean, to be, to be honest, a major investigation. They lose two vital pieces in Thailand. I do remember, actually, and I remember seeing a programme. It might have been called Thai Police. And I think that they... The idea was that they'd been over there. There was a man who worked with the Thai police and they protected the prostitutes, even though the prostitutes over there, there's a lot of Thai lady boys working as as ladies, but they're boys and they rip people off. That's what they do. They thieve from them. But the police seem to protect them, I think, because they're on backhanders. I think that's what goes on, and that's, and that's why. Because I remember seeing a television programme about it, and I remember thinking, and they had some vile Thai ladyboy who'd, who'd ripped somebody off and was literally lashing out left, right and centre. And the Thai police targeted the other person, proving to me once and for all that, you know, once you've read about them losing vital evidence in a, in a murder inquiry. <laughs> Dear me. Uh, regarding chuggers and cold callers, says David at 10 to 6 this morning. Yesterday afternoon... Uh, a woman phoned me, claiming to be from uh, a company, and wanted all my details. Well, that, worked, that put me on my guard, because if she worked for this particular company, she'd already have them anyway. Why did, why did, why did you pick up the phone? The moment somebody goes, oh, hello, I'm calling for that, click, down goes the phone. I don't even waste time talking to them. In fact, I don't get any of these. I don't get cold, I've never had cold calling. Never, because everything goes through the answer phone. When I said I wasn't going to give them, she said, don't you want to hear about the latest great savings on mobile phones? I said, I don't have one as I hate the things. And she sent on, but we can get, she said, but I can get you one. Look, I said, I don't want one. And then I put the phone down. He said, I did a 1471, typed the number in Google and sure enough, came up with loads of complaints and uh, this particular company confirming it's not one of their numbers and nothing to do with them. So beware. If you get a call from somebody claiming to be from a, a particular company that doesn't go all the way, offering new deals and wanting all your details, it's not them at all. I never give details over the telephone. I always say to but my advice has always been over the years, do not hand over any details to anybody on the street or anything else. I mean, you wouldn't give, I wouldn't give my, my producer my PIN number, would I? Why would you, you know, and I know him. Well, I mean, I know him as far as, you know, we're doing the programme. I don't know him, don't know anything about his family. I'll have to get a background check done on him, but that shouldn't be too difficult. But, you know, I wouldn't hand over details like that. And yet you hand them over to somebody on a telephone. That's what amazes me. Why has Beckham been uh, at Wimbledon for two days running? Has he ever played tennis? I doubt he's even held a tennis racket. And why did the BBC always pick him out in the crowd? I don't know, because they pander to him. Because he's very publicity shy, Dave, as you know. And I think it's a case he likes, hello, I'm David Beckham, I'm here, a bit more famous than the tennis players. I mean, do think after a while, perhaps the entire Beckham family should just take off to Nova Scotia and stay there for a little while. Uh, 84850, I was reading in the Bangkok Post a few weeks ago about the level of corruption involved, says uh, Divad, with the police. Uh, this was in the Bangkok Post. It was, however, suggested that since the typical street PC earns about £350 per calendar month and they have to fund their own gun, there might just be a slight corruption problem. I would, I would think there's a huge corruption problem. Huge corruption problem. 
But then that doesn't surprise me. In certain countries around the world, that's how the police get on with it. That's why people take backhanders. And I'm, to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to go to Russia and trust any of the police there at all. Just not that at all. Um, I did see the uh, the red balloon the other day, Steve, after you'd recommended it. I like that idea. I w- I'm, I'm glad that you listened to my recommendations. And it was such a good film made in the 1950s about the little boy with the red balloon. It's on YouTube and it's very good. And Christine says, I've just looked at the new Sandy Toxvic. My goodness, unbelievable. And Isabel is listening to Steve Allen from a hospital bed in the Royal London. <laughs> See? It's the best place for it, isn't it, really? You're lying in a hospital bed. It'll make the time go a little bit quicker. Because otherwise it's boring. Because at the time you're, you're lying in your bed, unless you're in a, a, a separate private ward, put to one side, in which case I'd panic. Because that's generally where they, where they put people who might not make it through the night. If you're in the main ward, you're OK. I hope it's not a mixed ward. I don't like the idea of mixed wards. I think people should... My mother was in a mixed ward in hospital. Didn't like that at all. Not a fan of mixed wards, I'm afraid. They shouldn't have them. And um, and you sit there and you sort of... Right, have a look around the ward. Who have we got? It starts, it's, it starts turning into a carry-on film. Charles Hawtrey was pictured in his bed in one of the carry-on films, Carry On Matron, I think. And he was listening to some radio play and he just kept bursting into laughter every so often. That's all you can do in hospital. Because it's dull. It's dull. It's not like somebody comes around and goes, should we do stickle bricks or Lego or something like that? And then there'll be somebody who'll wheel a trolley round later. Would you like a book? Would you like a book to read? You know, you think, no, I've got a telephone. Just want somebody to plug it in. Thank you very much indeed. Which reminds me of a story about plugging in and charging a phone, but I can't tell you at the, uh, can't tell you at the moment. Jean in Croydon has just woken up. Very, very late. I'm sorry, it's five to six in the morning, Jean. I mean, I say we're here from four. Goodness sake. Uh, Steve, the, the mum of eight in Birmingham, same dad for all the kids, but he doesn't live with them and gives her some money when he has some spare. I'll remember that when I pay my maintenance today. <laughs> this, this other woman, people are saying, she probably doesn't know who all the fathers are. Well, bet she does. Bet she does. Malcolm says, did you see the episode of X Factor when Cheryl was wearing a bright green dress and Simon kept calling her Kermit? She was fuming. Oh, she's got a temper on her. I think we know she has a temper, don't we? Uh, my daughter's best friend is in Seuss with her parents and they're adamant they're staying put, says Alison. Well, I think you have to advise people. Listen, if the Foreign Office are saying out, out now, and if somebody's over there with, with children, it's not going to be a good place to be. They must have some sort of intelligence gathering. Uh, Martin says, how could you ever think of retiring at 39? Tis true, tis true. It's far too early to retire. If, although if you won the lottery, wouldn't it? If, if you won the lottery, would you consider retiring? Probably not. There was that nice man the other day, the ex-Chelsea player, and he um, he uh, he retired years and years ago, but he only used to earn £25 a week. Now you look at how much money these uh, footballers earn. It's just appalling, isn't it? Huge amount of money. Subject of uh, Boris Becker, he's at Wimbledon, because he's uh, Novak uh, Djokovic's coach. Oh, is he really? I bet he looks completely different now. I bet he's put on tonnes of weight. Tons of weight. Because it's only if you're sort of playing regularly that you keep the weight down because you're doing, a, doing sort of like an exercise class all the time. He was good, Becker. But it was like Navratilova, wasn't it? We got bored with her winning Wimbledon. I mean, I'm hoping that, that Murray wins. I'm hoping. But, you know, it doesn't, really, doesn't affect me either way. Not going to affect my, my, my day-to-day life, is it? Selfridges, big department store in London and elsewhere, have stopped selling plastic water bottles to save the oceans. How does that save the oceans? Apparently, they don't want the waste to end up. So instead of selling 400,000 plastic bottles of water a year, the department store will have a water fountain so you can refill your own containers. Well, that's a bit cool. 
It's what people do here. We have all our waters filtered in all the kitchens, boiling hot in one tap, same tap, push another button, and you get ice-cold water. And so people fill it up. They do say... They do say that you shouldn't really refill plastic bottles because it gets contaminated. Glass doesn't get contaminated. But once you've opened a plastic bottle, that's contaminated. And it's got shelf life. Water has a shelf life. I can't remember when this one is. They've they've normally got a sort of a sticker on it somewhere which says sort of best before for water. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? The water I'm drinking, this Glasso smart water, it makes it sound like it's come from glacial origins. And uh, it sounds quite nice. It's got distilled spring water with allied electrolytes. <laughs> Whatever that means. And then you look a bit further and they go, a Coca-Cola Enterprises company. So you can't win, can you? Everywhere you go, it's the big, big companies. So at Selfridges, you could, they have a water fountain. You just go and fill your water bottle up, which is good. People would be popping in there, weren't they, every five minutes to go fill the water bottle up. Because you do need it if it's going to be hot today. And I think it is going to be hot today. So you must uh, you must look after the kids, make sure they've got hats on, make sure they put sun cream on. Cat, my next neighbour, has just moved out with Kenny and uh, and the children. She was covering their uh, oldest lad, the, the three-and-a-half-year-old one, with sun cream yesterday because people get burnt to pieces. I mean, I got burnt yesterday. And it's only sort of looking at it this morning in the, in the shower that I thought, oh, Lord, I have got a bit burnt. And the top of my head is a little bit sore, a little bit sore, but I shall... Uh, I shall, I shall persevere with it. Persevere. Anyway, uh, we'll have more from the, uh, the papers in a moment. We'll round those up. Don't forget, we have a free podcast every day for you. At, uh, it, it'll go online at about quarter to seven in the morning, if we can get our skates on and do it. And um, what we do is we have a, the, this programme is podcastable a little bit later on. When it finishes, uh, we take out the adverts and we take out the travel and we take out the news. And then the free podcast is available to you as well. And if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, there's an app that you can download. Download the app and then the programme gets sent to you automatically. And it doesn't cost a penny piece. There's no charge for that. The other podcasting and all the other programmes on LBC are podcastable, including all of our specials. The Auschwitz one is on there now. And uh, and all the other specials which have garnered the awards for us over the weeks, the months and the years. They're all there from as little as £2 a month. You can download everything. The Brits in Tunisia. Foreign Office, out. Get them out now. Planes are flying over to get people out there. The papers are full of pictures of people heading back to the airport to get out. They've obviously got some sort of intelligence gathering which has gone on. They've got some sort of information that there could be... There could be another atrocity, and it could be in the same place. You know, far from sitting back and being complacent, the Foreign Office have acted accordingly. Get out and get out now, they've said. The sex inquiry judge vowing to reveal the identities of establishment paedophiles. Uh, police ignoring this road crash that killed the driver. Three days he was sitting in the car, dead. And the, uh, the sir who's out of prison today. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six. It's Friday, the 10th of July. It's nice to have your company this morning. Foreign Office, I can't can't reiterate enough, have said out of Tunisia. Out now. They're sending planes in. 3,000 Brits in this airlift. They don't want people to be there. They've obviously got some sort of information that the place is going to be dangerous to be in. Greece, days from disaster. 
Uh, police ignoring this road crash that killed the driver. Three days his body was sitting in the car after a 999 call. The charity's in crisis over this cold calling, and you've told me this morning they've now started knocking on doors. Uh, the mum of eight, the £20,000 cap, will mean she might lose her house. Shame. And a poisoner who killed a cat. This is not the first time we've heard of stories like this. It all, the whole thing started, didn't it, when we, had a, we discovered an, an RBS employee who put a cat in a dustbin and then left it there. Luckily, she was caught on camera. And so we were able to name and shame on the programme. And then we had uh, a series of cats in a little village who'd been poisoned by somebody who was obviously a, a, an anti-animal person. I just, uh, to be honest with you, I can never understand why. And there's another story in the paper today about a cat that has been poisoned by somebody who's obviously put down food and uh, it's obviously eaten it and it's killed it. And if you really wanted to buy something that you could do something with, admittedly it's in the wrong part of the country for me, but the two piers in Blackpool, the North and the South Pier, have just sold for £8 million to the man who owns the other piers. So he's now got, as they say in the business, the complete set. Which is lovely, really, isn't it? When you think that somebody's, somebody's got all these... Pe- I'd love to own a pier. I, would, I wouldn't want it in Blackpool, given the choice. I mean, Blackpool's... Nice if you like that kind of thing. I say that just in case there's anybody listening there at the moment who might be thinking, you know, I don't think he likes Blackpool. And it's quite true, I can't stand Blackpool. But, you know, if Brighton Pier came up, I'd like to own that. South End Pier's always been a big disappointment to me. It's a long pier, it's got a little railway that goes on it, but there's nothing there, there's no fun fair at the end. I think there has to be a fun fair at the end, or at least a big tea shop. There is a tea shop there, but it's halfway up and it's not very exciting. It's all right. Jamie Oliver used it for one of his programmes a short while ago. And I thought, if I was going to own a pier, I would have to have a, a pier with an amusement arcade on it. And all the things you remember from your childhood. There'd have to be somebody doing hot dogs. There'd have to be somebody doing, you know, candy floss and toffee apples and sticks of rock and things like that. That's what I'd love. Imagine sitting... And there's got to be deck chairs at the end of it. I want to do the traditional British pier. Eight million quid was the price for the two piers. Eight million pounds. And the, the guy who bought them, because he's got the other piers... He owns the amusement on there as well, the amusement. So that's, I'd like that. That, that, would, uh, that would keep me going, actually. I quite like that. And the Spitfire that soars again, 3.1 million. I think it's only one of two Spitfires that actually flies. And it's, uh, and it's gone. It's been sold for 3.1 million. Nick Ferrari this morning on breakfast is going to be uh, marking 75 years since the RAF did us proud in the Battle of Britain. If you haven't seen the film... Get get the film. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, David uh, says, read the uh, beached whales. They're uh, they're immigrant whales. He says who came over for the benefits. Dolphins do the same because they're more intelligent. They get the jobs in Sea World. Very cruel. Very cool. No, nobody's quite worked out why they do it. They do, they do this beaching, don't they? And, uh, and that's why we've always thought it's, it's such a shame because people do their best to try and get them back out to sea, but then they turn themselves round. And uh, another one here, which says here, uh, did you get the pictures of Harper Seven walking? Uh, yes, thank you very much indeed, with the peanut bar. Yes, so it's so unusual in this day and age to see Harper Seven actually walking. Mainly she gets carried by her father because he's sort of trying to direct the photographer standing in front of them. And they've all got photographers. Make no mistake about it. All these people have their own photographers who they go out with and they, they take a picture and they try and pretend they've been papped on the street. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, if you are paparazzi, 
What are you going to do? Just hang around in the middle of London hoping that a celebrity is going to walk past? No, it's pre-arranged. It's easier that way. And then they sell the pictures to the, uh, the newspapers. Plastic bottles, says Paul in Reading. Um, they have a number in a triangle, usually on the bottom. Do they really? Heavens above. Wait a minute. There is a, there is a triangle. You're quite right, actually. I'm blowed if I can read the number. Mind you, my eyesight's terrible. You're right, there is a triangle on the bottom. And that tells you how good the grade of plastic of the bottle is, as they break down in sunlight and hence are not good for you. Number one is the best. Oh, no, this, this, this has got, like, three numbers, I think, on here. Oh, dear, I'm a bit disappointed now. I've obviously got a cheap bottle. It's a beautiful bottle. I, li- I like the bottle a lot. I was more tempted by the bottle than the water. Much, much, much more tempted by that. Oh, so that tells you what the grade is of, of plastic. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day on this programme, on this station, everything. Uh, in conversation this weekend, we haven't played you a clip, have we? Are we going to play a clip of In Conversation? Are we going to do a little clip of, of one of them? I don't think so. I think we're going to save it because uh, one of the guests we haven't recorded yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll sort of save that for, for Sunday morning. I can tell you. Actually, that one of the guests is Deborah Meaden. She's going to be here. And the other is Boris's sister, who's the editor of The Lady, and who was on Question Time the other evening, and who's got another book out in the series. Could be the last one. We're not too sure. We haven't quite confirmed that yet. But uh, that'll be Sunday morning in conversation on LBC, and that'll be between 5 and 6 a.m., repeated between 9 and 10. Next week... Uh, Michael McIntyre's dropping in. Phil Daniels, who's currently starring in Les Miserables. So it uh, should be very good, actually. Uh, we had uh, Save the Children knock last weekend, Steve. Um, I said, no thanks, we give when we can. He said, don't you want to help children? We did have direct debits set up for others, but councillors, they kept calling us, wanting to sort of up the amount, says Steve. I think that's appalling when somebody says, don't want to help people. They, you can always guarantee the things that uh, that the British will will give to. It'll be children starving, or failing that, it'll be animal charities. We seem to we seem to go big for animal charities. Surprising, isn't it? Really, when you consider there's so many dreadful stories about animals being abused in the newspapers on a on an almost daily basis. Then says Clacton Pier's got everything you mentioned, <laughs> and apparently South End Pier now has. I knew Mark Quinn Brentwood would know this. Has a conference centre, performance room that includes a nice little cafe on the end. I love the way the railway rattles and chucks along. <laughs> it's our kind, of th- our kind of thing, Mark, isn't it? We like that kind of thing. See, I'd be quite happy there. I could sit on the end of a pier for it. I'd quite like to have a house on the end of a pier on top of maybe a, you know, a, a cafe where they do entertainment or something like that. And then you could just sort of sit there in a deck chair staring out to sea, imagining that you're sort of floating on top of a, a giant ship. I would like that. Clacton Pier. I've not been to Clacton. been to Littlehampton aptly named. And um, and I've been to South End. I, I didn't go on Blackpool Pier. I was too frightened. I saw the people going on to it. I thought, no, definitely not. Definitely not for me, I don't think. Not my kind of thing at all. Front pages of the papers for this morning. Uh, a picture of the, the deadline on the Independent, but still no end to Greece's agony in sight. And what price the One Nation budget now? The poorest families unequivocally Bear the brunt of Osborne's reforms, say top think tank. Lowest earners worse off by 800 to a grand a year. The richest, 20%, are barely affected. I watched Question Time the other night. There was somebody from UKIP on there. My God, you couldn't shut her up. God, she was dreadful. She really didn't know what she was talking about half the time. Um, A family full of energy on a joyous day. And who can this be? Who's the happiest family in the entire universe? Yes, it's, it's the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. And of course, why shouldn't they be happy? 
They don't really have to do any work. They live in a fabulous place. They've got no end of money. Um, it's, it's all perfect. I mean, they don't have to... I shouldn't imagine they've ever had to sit there and think, oh, the bill's come in. Uh, Catherine, have, have we got any money? We'd better go and get a loan, shouldn't we? Go and ask uh, Grandma. She can lend us some money. So they don't need to, That's why they're happy. Well, I'm not saying that money makes you happy. I don't think it does. Uh, the Foreign Office, get out of Tunisia and get out now. They think it's highly likely that uh, British holidaymakers will be targeted in a fresh terrorist attack. And I don't want to be sitting here in a week's time or a few days' time saying... We told people to get out. People were advised. They went, no, we're not going to be bullied by these people. You can't be bullied by somebody with a gun. They shoot you. It's as simple as that. We're not going to mess around. Times on the front page. Unwitting students fund Islamist projects. Uh, this is Europe Trust, which is rent payments of university students being funneled through a charity with close ties to the Muslim Brotherhood to fund Islamist projects across Europe. Uh, the main story on the front of the Times, the scramble to get the British tourists out of Tunisia. They're not Really, I mean, you want to drag people screaming to the airport if they're being silly about it, saying, listen, if, uh, you know, something dreadful happens to your family, you cannot say that you were not told. Everybody's told you. The newspapers have told you. Everybody's told you. The radio, the television. Get out of Tunisia. Get out now. It's the people on the beach when they were being shot and somebody went, gun, run. This is what they're saying now. 3,000 are over there, and they don't think that the authorities can provide adequate protection. And when it gets to that situation, I realise that, of course, what we're saying is, basically, we're now going to be boycotting Tunisia. We're not going to be going back there anytime soon. It's quarter past six. Latest news headlines, Rupert Buck. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast for about another ten minutes. So today marks the 75th anniversary of the start of the Battle of Britain. For nearly four months, in the summer of 1940, outnumbered RAF fighter pilots took part in dogfights to keep Hitler's Luftwaffe at bay in one of World War II's defining moments. Nearly 3,000 Pilots and aircrew with an average age of just 20 flew from bases all over southern England to repel the Germans as they repeatedly attempted to bomb Britain into submission. By the time the Battle of Britain was over in October, more than 500 of our airmen were dead. When the war ended in 1945, little more than 1,500 of those young flyers who'd taken part in the final clashes had survived. Winston Churchill called them the few, and there are just 22 of them alive Today, Prince William will meet some of those brave and remarkable men today at a ceremony at the Imperial War Museum uh, at Duxford in Cambridgeshire, once a battle of Britain base. And the RAF Association are looking for people who witnessed the dogfights to be at a service at St Paul's Cathedral on September the 15th for Battle of Britain. And there is a website, and uh, if you podcast this programme later, then you'll get it again. It's RAFA... R-A-F-A, R-A-F Association, dot org, dot UK, forward slash, Battle of Britain. So if you know somebody who witnessed the dogfights and they want to be at the service, and September the 15th, it's R-A-F-A, dot org, dot UK, forward slash, Battle of Britain. Only 22 of those men are still around. And uh, when you look at the uh, the amount that the uh, the German Luftwaffe had, 2,550 aircraft... Uh, 2,698 aircrew killed, 967 captured. The RAF and the Canadian Air Forces combined, uh, average age 20, 2,936. 
Some pilots were just 18. 18. They turned them around that fast. We had 544 aircrew killed, uh, 422 aircrew wounded, and 1,547 aircraft destroyed. And the 814 airmen who survived Battle of Britain were killed in the rest of World War II. 75 years on, Nick Ferrari will be looking at the Battle of Britain. Sun on the front page, Charlie's an angel. This is the happiest family in the land. It's beginning to get on my nerves slightly. Uh, selfie queen Karen, banged to right, cheated on her husband. She's quite peculiar, isn't she? I mean, there's something the matter with her. Perhaps she was dropped on her head as a child, I don't know. Uh, the Daily Express, uh, they've got a Battle of Britain poster for you. And also Britain's happiest family. I told you it would get on your nerves. Uh, take aspirin to beat arthritis now. Don't worry about it, sort of. Uh, sort of trying to prevent heart attacks. Front of the Daily Mail, charities in crisis over the cold call menace. And isn't she scrumptious? Yes, it's Mario Testino's royal christening pictures on pages two and three. I'm a little bit bored now. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. Free inside tomorrow, a 32-page magazine packed with joyous photos of Charlotte and George. Well, I just can't wait. I'm going to save my pennies immediately, ladies and gentlemen, and rush out and buy that tomorrow, because I'm, I really do adore the royal family, but I think there's such a thing as overkill. Apparently, there's a tribute act in Essex called Eric Clacton. Eric Clacton. And then somebody says, well, Joan said, it'd be wonderful if you owned a pier. We could have a walk the plank for those shy celebrities. I quite like that idea. Just, I mean, it'd have to be a reinforced one, because the first one on it would be Gemma Collins. And uh, anybody like that, I think. I think that'd, that'd be quite good. That'd be quite good. Uh, also, I went to the Queen's Theatre last night, says Mark, for their opening night. Havering music makers were doing The Witches of Eastwick. He said uh, the girls were excellent. Looked like they'd been playing it for months. And yes, they flew, of course. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, I've just checked my bottle of Highland Spring. It's number one in the triangle. And Walton is better than Clacton. Now I can have arguments over peers, over who's actually got the better peer. I wish I could read the number in the little triangle. This is the um, this is the the picture uh, on the bottom of your bottle of water. It's a triangle, and in the triangle is a number. Oh wait, so in the triangle is a number. Oh, he's got number one in mine. I was looking at the number that's underneath the triangle. No, you're right. Actually, in perhaps they've all got number one in the triangle. Perhaps it just means it's plastic or something. It's amazing how many things you get written on a bottle of water, isn't it? I'm I'm always impressed by. You know, all the different things. I mean, I don't know what half it means. I can't even work out barcodes. <laughs> 84850, uh, Maddie says, I've worked for a local charity in the South End for nine years now. Even though we're totally reliant on donations to keep us running, we never cold call. And we have a monthly club draw that we write to supporters about once a year. And that's uh, something they sign up for. So not all charities are bad. No, it's the big ones that are the worst. The big ones are absolutely atrocious. They really are. Awful, awful, awful. South End Pier is the longest in the world, says Tony. Oh, God, don't we know it? Was it three miles long or something? Or a mile? I can't remember what it is. I've been on it. I've been there. I have done the British Pier, as they say. And uh, any traditional British Pier, says Brian and Tannen, must have a laughing policeman machine. Yes. Do you remember that uh, laughing policeman song? Oh, meta police... So anyway, don't... Ha, 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 ha. I can't do it now because it's, uh, it's just too early. It's a Friday and I don't want to sort of peak before I get round to, uh, to doing my recordings. <laughs> a little bit later on for In Conversation. Uh, David says, apparently if you fancy owning a peer, the House of Lords have had plenty. They've all got a price. I'm quite sure, actually. It's the robes I'm not keen on. I don't, I don't do robes. I'm not that kind of person. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So that's the front pages of the, uh, the papers. I know that Nick will be dealing with that a little bit uh, later on today. 
Uh, we will have the free podcast up for you. I'm in about 15 minutes. I think 15 minutes. What is the out time? Do we have an out time? I don't know what it is. Are we just... We're not... It is. OK. So uh, just let you know that if you want to download this programme, go to the LBC website. There is an app on there uh, which you download for free and that works on iPhones and it works for Android phones as well. And you get a free podcast every day. There's a, a few of us that do a free podcast where we gently take the mickey, ladies and gentlemen, out of a few non-entities. And it's, uh, it's some of our usual ones. It's Truly Madly, Deeply Dim, Lydia Dim and her little boyfriend, James Argent who really is, they make an absolutely super couple that you really want to hold down in a puddle. But that's just me. They were at the ITV party the other day, and she's learnt to do funny little posing pictures where she sort of crosses one leg in front of the other one. Bit of an odd thing, but there you go. So they'll be mentioned today, and then the rest of the programme you can podcast a little bit later on. Uh, I hope that you have an enjoyable weekend. Watch the sunshine. It's going to be uh, blazing down later on today, and I think tomorrow as well. Uh, I should be talking to Deborah Meaden for In Conversation for Sunday, which is when I'm back with you, as we trawl through the Sunday papers and try and find some stories to put a smile on your face. But today it's going to be that uh, that airlift, that evacuation from Tunisia to get everybody out there. There will be people who don't want to come out, but as they say, they've issued the warning. It's up to people to heed it. Have a great weekend. I'm Steve Allen, back with you Sunday morning for In Conversation and the Papers at 7, Nick Ferrari. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. Tove